episode 142 of the ram nintendo podcast i'm jason and i'm angel and this episode is merry switchmas as we are entering what is arguably our biggest episode of the year i'm making that claim three weeks into the year but i'm sticking with it because we are covering nintendo's big switch presentation from a week 10 days ago and of course the avalanche news that comes with it the so-called switchmas as fans were dubbing it um so because of all that this episode is actually packed with topics and our takes on them and honestly I think there is kind of an advantage of the fact that we're bringing these to you a week after the presentation because it gave us time and context. It gave us time to better make sense of some of the bizarre decisions around the Switch because let's be honest, and I think you can agree, Angel, no Nintendo console is complete without bizarre decisions. Every single one has something weird. And then we also have context in terms of the broader picture of Nintendo Switch and the plans for it, both what Nintendo's explicitly saying in reviews, what we kind of picked up on from seeing all the Switch news unfold these past 10 days. So... This is all a long way of saying, um, in this episode, we're going to break it all down. We're going to start the presentation. We're going to talk about the system itself, the message or mission of the system, and then all of the big Nintendo releases. So if you want specifically any of those categories or topics, you go to ramtown.com. The blog post for this episode has timestamps for every news story we're going to discuss, and uh, there's a lot of them. Or, uh, you know, you could just join us for the full journey. So with that said... Let's talk Switch. I wish we had the little the little snap sound effect that we could have done there because we're switching into the first time. Anyway, um, the, the thing I think that's actually kind of interesting if you listen to the show in full or you jump around with timestamps is that there's like a through line of all of this and Nintendo managed to muddy up everything with the Switch. It feels like it's a system of mis- mixed messages now. It feels like it's this system of mixed ideas. And in some cases, at least to me, it feels kind of like unnecessarily complicated. For something that was so simple, it now kind of isn't. Yeah, I mean... Not as confusing as the Wii U, but it definitely, no, it definitely got that. It did take me back to like, wow, this is... A typical Nintendo system. Yeah, this is like <laughs> kind of getting there. Like, it went from, like, I get what this is. It's just a basic gaming system. Nothing super special. And but then it was like, psych. But I mean, it had that portability aspect that made it like, all right, like, this is what makes it different. And it's simple. And I showed people the trailer, of course, and they got it. They were excited and... A few of them saw this presentation and they were like, "Wait, so what?" what? Yeah. <laughs> now, now don't now don't get me wrong. I'm still super excited about the switch. Yeah, I, I mean, none of this takes away from it. I mean, if anything, it just adds to it, but, which yeah, is always fundament. great. Yeah. But now I feel like we're getting into that territory that I feel the Wii U and the yeah. Wii, for that matter, like had where people are afraid to dabble in everything or feel they're kind of forced to develop yeah. for everything, which is definitely not true. Yeah, what's nice is over the course of the next few hours on this podcast, and yes, it'll be a few hours, um, we kind of will dive into that in the sense of Nintendo has actually been really transparent for once about we don't want them to necessarily use every control option. We want them to bring their games however they want to. We're not shoehorning things or making them shoehorn things. So that's kind of nice. And I will say I am super excited about one. Like I had it pre-ordered within two hours of the Switch presentation. I am sitting here talking about it right now with you. We both are sitting here talking about it in Nintendo shirts, I just noticed. I'm wearing Nintendo New York. You're wearing a Smash Bros. shirt. So obviously, we're still into the idea. It's not like we hate oh, Nintendo I mean, for To this. be fair, I didn't wear the Smash Bros. shirt because of... I didn't either, but my point is we're still showing, We're still obviously big fan. It's not like we turned off to Nintendo over this. It's oh, not that severe. We're I mean, still... there was nothing bad about no, the presentation. No, no, just... I mean, if anyone went like, I'm done with Nintendo forever after That'd this, That'd be a then... little weird. Yeah. yeah, that's a little extreme. I mean, like I said, they just added more features to they it went... more than i expected which is cool but yeah again like like you were saying like it just overcomplicates things they to, went from a yeah. system with a really simple goal 
which is console gaming on the go. To know everything. Yeah. It almost feels like the reveal, the first reveal back in October was almost a fake out. Like instead of a so-called traditional machine with traditional controls, it's kind of what you were saying. You showed that to everyone. It's like, that's what this is. We're actually looking at what's more of a modern Nintendo machine with new control ideas, experimental games that you can now take on the go. And those more traditional experiences they previously mentioned. So it's kind of like this hodgepodge. It's funny because like the whole removing the controller then transforming it into a bigger handheld that was already pretty wild and crazy and very Nintendo. But, but now, now they, they had to do. They but then they upped do... the ante. They're like, oh, but wait, there's more. They had to do cow milking. They just had to do it. But uh, I will. It, it really, it's weird because the Switch kind of feels like it's two concepts going in in like two directions right now because it's like both a return to form for traditional Nintendo. And also, like, the true successor to the Wii in many ways, more so than the Wii U ever was, which you see with the Joy-Cons, which we're discussing a bit. But what I find funny, more of a, it's probably a coincidence more than anything else, but even the presentation of the now muddy console is kind of, has, like, this feeling of muddiness. Like, on one hand, it was a live event, which are always fun for Nintendo fans, I feel like. Like, there's, a, I, maybe it's just me, but there's a certain energy and, like, hype that's missing from a pre-recorded direct that's there when it's live. I don't know, maybe it's the, like, chance of, oh, are they going to say something they shouldn't or something? I don't know. Like, the fact that it's live and things are happening in real time, it's fun. It's, I, I miss the Nintendo E3 press conferences. It's kind of harking back to that. But it was only half live, which is what was weird. It was also simultaneously sort of a Nintendo Direct because they kept cutting to those pre-tapes featuring the Switch's main, uh, one of the main masterminds of the Switch, Yoshihaki Koizuma, Koizumi, excuse me, who... Um, it was on stage for some presentation, but he was the guy that kept to, and he's like, oh, I'm in a blizzard, and I'm shaking my Joy-Con to see how many ice cubes there are, uh, and that sort of stuff. Like, that was him. And uh, they kept cutting back and forth. It was really weird, because it went from not just being, like, a direct to live to a live to a direct, but also it went from being, like, what we expect from a Wii conference in, like, 2008 or nine, like, when, when Wii music was there, and they were like, look at these crazy casual games and how you can control them to, like, the gamer first mentality we saw with Nintendo the last couple years with Wii U and even like in the peak GameCube days, you know, where they're just like trotting out Mario, Zelda, Splatoon, Smash Bros. one right after another. So much like the Switch itself, the conference was somehow a hybrid of all these different things that made it more complicated than it probably needed to be, which was odd. It also didn't help that um, there are really poor translations throughout. Yeah, I mean, some were fine. I mean, there was just one that really stood out there. It became infamous, yeah. Suda51. Now, it's cool that No More Heroes is coming to Switch. And also another sign that this thing's kind of like the successor to the Wii, because No More Heroes has been on anything but the Wii. Uh, but No More Heroes 2, when did that come out? I don't remember, but it was on the Wii. But that one was on every console. Oh, right? that's right. They did bring it to more than the Wii. But it was Wii as well as the Yeah, yeah. and then It's I a remember... Wii franchise first. The first one got ported in HD as something No More Heroes Paradise or something. Yeah, like that? that's right. But but now it's back I mean, on eventually, Nintendo. yeah. yeah. Kind of like yeah. how Lego City is now on everything. Yeah, but. yeah. But the yeah the translator thing. It, I mean, to the translator in the translator's defense, Suda Fifty One it went off script. But you could hear the translator audibly go, <sighs> and then try and figure out what to say. And there's that video of the side by side where they're clearly discussing extremely different things. But that's all right. On the flip side, though. One thing I gotta give Nintendo credit for at the presentation is I thought it was really great that Nintendo brought all the new faces of the company, so to speak, out. They tried them out. Like, we had Tatsumi Kimishima, Nintendo's global president, kind of come out and give a minimal, like, this is the Switch. And then they pointed it over to Koizumi and all those guys, and they did the mantle for each of their projects, and they were very clear, like, here's the Splatoon guy, here's the Mario Odyssey guy. They've addressed them appropriately. It was very reminiscent 
of what Nintendo did at E3 2013, if you remember. The year of Mario Kart and Donkey Kong and Mario 3D World, um, where Koizumi was also present. I think I'm saying his name right. Koizumi? K-O-I-Z-U-M-I? Maybe. Yes. Yeah. Maybe. So it's either Koizumi or Kozumi or Koizumi. <laughs> so I'll go with that. Uh, but yeah, they did this exact same thing then where they had him come out dressed as, like, remember he was wearing the cat ears because he was promoting Mario 3D World. We actually got a photo with him at Best Buy later that, like, after the press conference at the Best that Buy experience. Actual statement. Yeah, and, and he we did the cat pose and everything. And, yeah, so it's kind of, they're kind of mirroring that, which it's, it's good because, you know, eventually Miyamoto, Anuma, all of them are going to be gone. They're going to retire or eventually they're going to pass away. Like, they won't be a thing. They won't be a staple for Nintendo forever. So it, as morbid as that became, it's good that they're getting the next generation out in front of people so they could kind of just pa- casually hand off Nintendo and no one's going to freak. Um, they did the same thing at E3 2013, like I was saying. So actually at the time, wrote an extra over at Rantano.com called Nintendo's Cult of Personality that discusses this exact concept in more detail. So if you're curious and warping four years in the past by having to be totally relevant to the Switch presentation, that is available for you to read at Rantano.com. Just plugging myself here. Don't mind me. But I digress. I digress. I digress. The point is, the presentation as a whole, I think, led to more questions than answers. I think only after it ended, both like the hours after it ended, the days after it ended, uh, we have actually gotten some real answers to the Switch because we somehow, during the presentation, didn't know what we now know is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. We saw Mario Kart footage like, what is that? We didn't know how online would work. We just knew you had to pay. We didn't know what the system UI looked like. We didn't know really anything by the time since we actually got to learn about it. So as muddy as Switch has become, at least we can... It's a bad, dumb analogy. I'm right with it. At least we can traipse through that mud a bit now. Like, we actually have some... There's some structure to work with here. So, so with that said, let's actually talk about the system which is the Switch. Presumably, I know you know this, Angel, but presumably if you're listening to a podcast about Nintendo, you know some of, if not all, of the basics of the system. But let's just get it out of the way. March 3rd, $299 worldwide. $299 American dollars. $299.99. Yes. Uh, yes, thank you, Sony PlayStation 3 announcement. Um, to be honest, I mean, what was your, like, the, what, what's your first take on the, the date and the, like, the date and the price? Date was ooh, that's early. Yeah, that was my. That was exactly mine. Price was okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because to be honest, I think the date is earlier than everyone expected. I mean, Nintendo normally when they say we need to get it up for the end of the fiscal year, they mean like they will release it two minutes before midnight on the last day of their fiscal year on March thirty yeah, first, which is annoying. But I mean, what are you gonna do? And historically, not only that, but historically, new Nintendo systems usually come out the third week of March, if at all, in March. Like, that's when the 3DS, original 3DS came out. That's when Game Boy Advance SP came out. It was always during that week. Ooh, all handheld. So, yeah, which the Switch half is. So, um, the, I think the, the rumors of March 17th, everyone was like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's that same week. Yeah, and all made, those placeholder dates were March 17th, so that yeah, everything the fire. Yeah, everything was March 17th, and then it wasn't March 17th. It was March 3rd. Which is crazy because that means that as of when this podcast goes live on Sunday, January 22nd, it will be 39 days until the Switch. Which is really We're getting the Switch before the tour even comes to our city. That's annoying. Actually, no, we get it in tandem. Or no, you're right, we get it the night before. So the the tour, I remember a couple episodes ago, I made a whole big thing like, we're going to go to the tour, we're going to give you guys impressions. I mean, we can still give you hands-on impressions, but we don't need to go to the tour to do it. Uh, it literally kicks off the same day the system launches in L.A. So I think I still want to go because they have ARMS, they have Mario Kart 8, they have Splatoon 2. All that's there. So I would like to go play that. But in terms of, like, 
presenting you guys listening with hands-on of Switch before it comes out. This is the first time since the DS I will not get to play a Nintendo system at some sort of pre-event, which is weird. Well, I mean, if we had gone to the Smash Bros. Tournament Genesis 4, we could have played it there. Yeah, where was that? I don't know, but that was in California. Or I think it's in It's California. up the coast, right? Like it's in San Francisco? I don't know. Oakland? I have no idea. You have a phone? I guess I'll look. But but yeah, so it is kind of weird that um, we don't get tried for I mean, how first world problem is that? Oh, darn, I can't play a system before it comes out like I've done for the last three Nintendo systems or four, but nonetheless. Uh, but significantly more of a potential thing than I can't play the game until it, or the system until it comes out is uh, the price, which I think was a surprise to some folk, was probably disappointing to some folk. Um, I mean, a price, lot of people thought it was gonna be two forty nine. Yeah, I mean, well, two forty nine was my my dream price, like my perfect Me price. Me too. As I'm assuming a lot of people's were, and three hundred was that's probably what it's going to be. But I, I mean, it's fine. But I'm I'm very completely neutral about it. Not happy. Not disappointed. Yeah, I think I think two forty nine. So there was no emotions to come out of that price. I think two, yeah, I was kind of like, all right. I think two forty nine would have been better as a mass market thing because there's that impulse buy mindset, and I feel like three hundred is like. Even though it's only fifty dollars, three hundred sounds so much more expensive than two forty nine. Like there's a psychological thing in there, but uh, so that might, uh, to some extent, hurt Nintendo because now you're competing with Xbox One and PlayStation Four. Where is Genesis? I see you pulled it up. Yeah, it just says NorCal. So, oh, so like, oh, may I? Well, I mean, it's still loading. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, anyway, um, what I started to say is like that's now we're in the price territory of uh, Xbox One and PS Four, which also go for three hundred. So. I know. I it mean, makes it a little. It's nowhere. It, it's now an informed purchase versus an impulse. So I know. after that gets a I mean, after we heard about all the tech and stuff, like the price is definitely more justified. But I agree. To people like the average consumer, I feel it's gonna be. It's gonna come down to the whole. I don't know. It's gonna be compared directly more with the other consoles, and I guess I agree. And that's that could help or hurt depending on. I mean, what couldn't you have gotten an Xbox One for two fifty during Black Friday? Yeah, they with Microsoft keeps doing casual and another uh, controller. Yeah, Microsoft keeps doing temporary price drops. Sony's starting to do them too. So Switch could be more expensive than them any any given day of the week. But uh, you, you brought up the tech, and I think that's actually a really good point. Um, let's let's dive into that for a minute, actually, because that's actually a really good point. Is a lot of people aren't going to look at the tech, but I think legitimately, given all the tech it has. It's the price it should be. And the thing is, most of this tech we sort of have talked about, it was rumored and reported here on this very podcast over the last many months. But we now know, for example, it is a 720p HD screen, built-in capacitive touch, just like the iPhone, in terms of the old DS touch. Uh, The right Joy-Con does have an NFC rear for Amiibo. The left has a capture button for taking screenshots and ultimately video, which is kind of cool. Actually, the neat thing about that, which Nintendo didn't really talk about, but you can not only take the screenshots, you know about this, you can take the screenshots, go to your album app on the Switch, and then manipulate them, like you do on Samsung phones with like markup, or on iPhones with markups. You can add photos, you can draw on so them. We're going to see a whole sort of... slew of like Breath of the Wild pictures with hashtag no filters. Probably. But people can actually like draw on top of them and then send them out to social media. So that's kind of a cool little thing I didn't San Jose. Okay, yeah, so up, up north, Bay Area. Yeah, we definitely could not have gone. Nope. I mean, we could have, but it would cost a pretty penny. Um, But yeah, so now we know that's there. That was rumored. Uh, There's motion sensors in both Joy-Cons for gyro controls. We specifically discussed that pretty in-depth last fall, and we also covered how the Joy-Con has an an IR sensor inside it. Like like in the right Joy-Con, there's just like a Wii-looking IR thing on the bottom. And 
that was confirmed. But what? So that's kind of cool that we're we're so far doing pretty well with our track record here. But what surprised me is that we all kind of assumed the right Joy-Con was going to work kind of like a pointer. So you know, if your if your Wii U's docked on the TV, you need a way to mimic touchscreen functionality. So the logic was, oh, if you have IR in the right Joy-Con, you can use it like a Wii, Wii remote to point at the TV and mimic touch from afar. No indication that's there, which is weird because, well, first of all, Nintendo hasn't mentioned that being a function. Uh, the dock doesn't have any sort of built-in sensor bar, which is part of the rumor of this IR thing, so half of it came true. But I think the real nail in the coffin that shows how weird this is is if you look at the description of Ubisoft's Rayman Legends Definitive Edition on Ubisoft.com. They took it off a few days ago, but Go Nintendo has a copy of the copy. Um, if you look at that, in the description, besides covering how the game is so ideal for the Switch with its new four-player Kung Foot mode, yada, 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 they put a sentence of, undock your Switch device and use the touchscreen to take out enemies, manipulate platforms, cut ropes to clear a path, and more. So that means to me that IR pointing is never going to be a thing. That means to me that the Switch is not, contrary to everything we've heard, play any time, any way, any style, because there will be some games where you're going to need to use the touchscreen, and then you're kind of like, oh, I guess uh, I guess I'll go undock it now and look at the smaller 6-inch screen versus the giant 40-inch it's attached to, which isn't horrible, but that's something that Nintendo kind of never addressed, and now Ubisoft the store spilled the beans that it seems like that's something that has to be addressed. So I mean, I feel like it's something that could just be clarified, but I mean, it makes sense. It's like if it, they've, I mean, they already said it has a touchscreen, though. Was it a, like a, yeah, it's capacitive. Ca- it's capacitive the same as, uh, like an iPhone. Yeah. But specifically for that Rayman thing, um, they're referring to the mini game where it's like all the characters are doing an endless runner kind of deal, and you're controlling this green dude that you just get rid of all the obstacles so that Rayman and his friends can just make it through. Well, there's also the the level. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. There's well, also the levels where they walk and then they stop until. Oh yeah, you but, said yeah. endless walker. I guess yeah. yeah. But essentially, like there's a whole game mode of that, which is actually really really cool. But the Xbox and PS3 already have ways to handle that without the touchscreen. Like you just, it's just moving a cursor and just quick flicks, and he just does the exact same thing. Except you don't have to swipe up. You just press A, and he just carries the whole uh-huh. thing up. Uh-huh. So I mean. Whoops. I'm guessing when you have it docked, it's just going to go into button mode and undock. Well, that's impossible, I guess. But it just seems weird that they have an IR or I guess camera, it's... and yet they don't have a way to use it as a pointer. So if you want to mimic touch, you either have to build it in as a developer, which is what you're saying they did for other systems, or get up, walk over, undock, walk back, do the level, get up, go no, back, well, that's redock, I mean, do it on TV. I mean, you could do it without touching. That's what I'm saying. But the developer has to now build that in versus Nintendo making it native. If it was, if our original rumors we were reporting of the IR having a uh, pointer functionality was there. What? Okay, so. I'm just getting at that you could just use buttons without any kind of motion. Yes, IR. but the developer has to build that. Nintendo's now saying you have to have a touch option and a non-touch option, or you force someone to only use the touch option. Versus Nintendo saying you can use touch, or a system smart enough to know when it's docked to let you use a pointer to make a virtual finger. See what I'm saying? Hardware versus I guess, software. I mean, I guess when I thought of it, I just figure it's because not a huge deal, it, because they already of. have the touch version already basically built with the Wii U, and they already have the button set up already built with the they do the 60 and Xbox. It doesn't seem like it'd be that Ubisoft hard for them does. to do. Well, yeah. well, Ubisoft. But if some other developer wants to do touchscreen stuff, they either have to build manually their own alternative, or they have to force you to not play on your TV. That's what's weird to me. Well, I mean, that's fine. I mean, that that gets at the whole 
let developers develop whatever they want. If they want to well, make a completely touchscreen enabled game, just make it clear it's a completely touchscreen game. I guess. I guess in I my mean, mind, I mean that that's the whole. I've if anything, I fear that'd be the whole nice freedom about the Switch that you could yeah. literally make any kind of game you want to play, however the developer intends. I mean, if they dock it on the screen and says undock it, then they could just be like, all right, this is just a touchscreen game. And presumably they would be smart enough to know what they're buying before they buy it. Yeah, and I guess now that I think about it, I mean, there it is just, also the conflict of, well, if you had a multi-touch game, you would never be able to mimic that. So I yeah, guess I mean, that's like, right. This way they have, yeah. they literally have every option that's they want. That's fair, okay. I mean, well, I mean, this literally just brings up that other problem that we knew or we feel we feel is inevitable that people are going to feel pigeonholed it yeah, pigeonholed, pigeonholed to like we just said right now like oh I have to develop alternate like methods for both but in reality they don't but because they might feel like they do it might throw some developers or yeah. I don't know save some away like oh I don't want to have to incorporate the HD rumble for whatever right which will which will get you a mix that's actually yeah. one of the core features but you know honestly maybe that's why if you look at the European Switch demo showcase that was happening in London they had all over the place artwork for of different icons TV mode handheld mode tabletop mode. They had like little symbols that look like they'd be on the back of the box to indicate what the game supports. So perhaps we're going to get a box that has 75 icons. It's like, it gets, takes the Joy-Con and the Pro Controller and the handheld mode and the tablet mode or table mode and the this and that and then that. And then that it's would... Like Smash Brothers that, and all the Exactly. Yeah. But that would at least indicate what it supports. And then it does, That's as you cool, point though. out, I mean, circumvent I like, the issue. That, that just I'm sounds like, wow, you have all these options to play. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now there is one cool thing IR does do, even though it doesn't do what I thought was a kind of critical pointer thing, and that is the gesture reading. So, I'd argue this gesture reading thing it does is actually where the uh, the switch really starts to, on a conceptual level, drift away from being a traditional game machine and much more into the like experimental Nintendo of Wii and Wii U. But uh, basically, if you hold a hand or even your mouth in front of the IR uh, of the motion camera, as they're calling it, the controller can actually read what you're doing. So one two switch uses this for an eating mini game where you open your and close your mouth as fast as you can, and uh, the example Nintendo gave during their presentation sounded awfully familiar to what we were talking about on this very show months ago. With uh, maybe the switch can do rock paper scissors with an IR camera built into the controller, and boom, there it was. The switch can do rock paper scissors with an IR camera built into the controller. Now, I'm not saying we broke that news, we did not, but when that story came out, the majority of the coverage was. It will have detachable controllers that may interact with the core unit through IR. Also, there's a chance that the IR can be used for gestures. And I feel like we were like, yeah, it could work with IR, but what about those gestures? Like, we sort of focused on that. So it's kind of neat to see it turn into reality now. And it's actually a really cool thing. Another thing I think is kind of – another thing I think is kind of cool is the HD rumble that you – that nobody predicted and that you already called out um, – it's honestly the more interesting of the two for me. Like, I don't know what you can do with those gestures. Like, do you have any brilliant ideas for those gestures? Like, yeah, okay, I can hold up fingers in front of it, but I have to hold it like nope. a dentist drill. Like, I don't know what I would do with that. Nothing. But HD Rumble, on the other hand, actually sounds kind of neat because it's basically next-gen force feedback. It's sensitive enough that you can feel, for example, in 1-2-Switch, how many balls may be rolling around the controller and then guess that or... The example Nintendo gave, which is kind of weird, is you could tell how many ice cubes are in the Switch controller, in the Joy-Con, if the Joy-Con were to have been a cup of water, or if it was a cup of water, you could feel how it pours the water down the Joy-Con and you feel it filling up. That's neat. That could be cool in some games. I can imagine ARMS using this in very clever ways, Zelda using this in clever ways. So, to me, that's actually the core of the two. But I think taking all these stats we just threw at you guys and like total, the battery, they're going to drain super fast. Well, they last 20 hours. No, yeah, that's right. It sounds yeah. like they would, but 
Well, it's, hours something nice. it's a really nice period. But yeah, I think all the specs we threw at you, all these stats we threw at you guys listening, taken in total, I think you can see how the Joy-Con ends up causing the Switch to cost $300. And I think it makes it somewhat okay. Because, I mean, think about it. When you buy a Switch, you're getting two included controllers with all that fancy tech we just talked about. You're getting the tablet itself. You're getting a dock. You're getting a grip. Although, to be clear, it's not a charging grip. It's a plastic grip. If you want to charge, you need a separate one for $30. But, uh, yeah, then think about the fact. So you have all that in the box, plus HDMI cable, plus AC adapter. And for all that to work, Nintendo has to put three individual lithium-ion batteries per Switch box. you got two Joy-Cons, one tablet. They all need it. So that, to me, kind of explains the $300. And if you sit there and think about, well, it comes with all this technology, it makes the 300 a much easier sell. I mean, for that price, I kind of wish it had more than 32 gigs of internal memory. Granted, it supports up to two terabyte SD cards. <laughs> that don't even exist yet. That don't apparently. exist yet, but they will, and it will support them. That is Nintendo's promise. But the catch with that is you still need internal memory for game saves. It, the cards are not read-writable. They are only readable. So... Any saving you do for any game is going to be on that 32 gigs, plus any games you download from the eShop. So it could fill up pretty fast. Now, granted, you can move the eShop games off the 32 gigs onto an SD card, but at least until you get an SD card in there, that's not a whole lot of space to work with. So so that that's kind of a bummer, but I, I totally see why it's $300. Like, if you look at all those specs, it makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's fine. It's one of those things that, I guess, in a perfect world, you, don't ever, you never have to worry about, like, transferring... Save yeah. memory to your. Well, I'm just gonna get the SD biggest card. SD card I can think of and just putting it in there and hoping the Switch has smart enough software to designate. No, oh, well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like at some point, I guess depending on how many games you buy and how many save states you create, but I guess maybe, let's say you fill up your 32 gigs. Yeah. I mean, you're never playing 32 gigs worth of games at once. So, and even if you are, you probably already beat some of them and just transfer half over to your SD card and that's it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think. <laughs> Where things fall apart a bit more for me with the pricing of the Switch, and I'm sure you're 100%. All right. Why don't you guess what I'm going to say? Like, there's one thing that I think everyone's like, yeah. There's a whole category of product that just doesn't. I have no idea. Accessories, just as a whole. Really? Really? You think a $90 dock makes sense? The dock is a piece of plastic with two ports on it. That's it. Hmm. And maybe a fan. It might have a fan inside not $90 worth. Well, I mean, that's that's rather overpriced. Yeah. It's like you're playing this little coy, it seems. But, uh, yeah, I think where the whole argument of the tech is worth it falls apart is the accessories, and that's going to be an issue for Nintendo. So, for those who haven't been keeping up too much with the pricing... I mean, the controllers... I mean, the Joy-Cons feel kind of fair. Well, one Joy-Con, meaning either the left or the right, is 50 bucks. For $10 more, you'd get a full controller if it was Xbox or PlayStation. For the Switch, you need to pay eighty dollars because uh, they're basically saying they're about forty a pop or fifty a pop, but they'll give you a they'll give you a discount because you're buying both together. Yeah, I guess because only I'm seeing them together. Yeah, the eighty. Because I mean, I see it's like all right, eighty bucks for basically two controllers that have a lot of tech in them. Well, one point five controllers. It is two for simple multiplayer, Barman, etc. But if you want to do something like Arms, that's a controller at that point. Yeah, but I mean, it also works for Mario Kart. I mean, that's true. As Most the, games will use well, I mean, it that's, as two. That, that's that's the Nintendo dilemma in general. Yeah. I mean, you can't... You can count a Wiimote as a controller, but it also doesn't really count the controller sometimes because sometimes you need the Wiimote nunchuck. Yeah, that's true. I so mean, not, it's the same yeah. thing with Nintendo Land. Like, I remember, like, oh, cool, I have four Wiimotes. Oh, you mean I, can, I can't play yeah. um, the Metroid game because that one needs a nunchuck? I guess the other weird one is the Pro I mean, that's, con- a, that's a, that one doesn't sound as bad to me. I guess the other one's the Pro Controller, which is $70. 
Yes, it has gyro. Yes, it has HD rumble. An Xbox controller is 60 and it also has like next-gen force feedback. So is a gyro $10? Yeah, I not, feel like they raised the price of that one to meet little, the Joy-Con, so the Joy-Con wouldn't look as bad. Like, no, this is just what controllers cost you guys. This is totally normal. Yeah, that one. Yeah. I can't really judge that And I mean, I, and again, the, the dock being $90, it's a dock with maybe a couple cooling fans and an HDMI plug and two USB plugs. That's it. Why is that $90? It's plastic. I mean, yeah. it's not like it's I metal. thought that would have been like 20 or 30 or something. Right? And, and not only that, but so let's say you want a charging grip opposed to a regular grip. That is a piece of plastic that funnels the little LED lights from the Joy-Con itself into a reflector. So they shine through the plastic so you can see what your battery status is or your player status is. It's that and a lithium-ion battery. And that's $30. That I feel like that should be 20 I feel like the dock should be 30 Like, I don't know. This just seems... It just seems high, and I think this here lies like another example of how Nintendo just muddied up the Switch, basically, because the simple concept of gaming on the go now has this significantly higher barrier of entry if you want to do any sort of multiplayer, really. Because if these were baby Wiimotes, like if it was if a Joy-Con was just the Wiimote tech, no HD rumble, downsized into a smaller device, I think the pricing would be a lot lower because that tech is old and established. But because they're adding all these new features, which again in my opinion, are really cool, but kind of secondary to what the Switch was originally about, which was just gaming on the go, there's now, at least that's how it was pitched, there's now this risk because of that, that uh, the pricing will scare people off almost. Like, what they've essentially done is turn the Switch into a Wii successor, with all this crazy tech, which is fine, but that means if it's a Wii successor, they have this bizarro ecosystem of controller accessories that go with it. It's like when Apple went from, like, the 30-pin connector to the Lightning, and they're like, hey, remember, like, you could do all this motion stuff over here. This one's a little fast. Or remember when you could like plug in your iPhone to all these accessories over here? So this new cable's a little thinner and a little faster, but basically the same. But we're gonna make you rebuy everything. It's now a take lot the thinner, jo- but yeah. well, yeah. Now take the Joy-Con. Oh, and it's reversible. Now take the Joy-Con versus Wii Remote. Hey, you could do all this cool motion stuff. Hey, you want slightly more motion and better rumble? We'll rebuy everything. Like that's kind of the situation here, which is weird. And don't get me wrong. I think it's great that it has like doing crazy new controller ideas for developers, but at some point, the f- number of features on a controller will cause it to hit a price ceiling where people won't want to buy the console. And then when that happens, there won't be any developers using the features because nobody's playing, nobody's there to play the games or buy the games, and then they won't be there to try out the new features. So it's sort of like this weird balancing act and has to do of like what's the right number of features for the right price, and my concern. Is that while I love the features, while I think you, do you find the features overall pretty cool, right? Pretty cool. Yeah. We are basing this on potential. With the Wii, people saw exactly what they would get for $60 for a $20 Wiimote and a $40 Wiimote. Uh, sorry, $40 Wiimote and $20 Nunchuck. They knew exactly what they were going to get when they bought it because day and date, there were all these examples of how it works. With the Joy-Con, I don't know how many people are going to look at what's available in the early Switch days, 1-2-Switch, and maybe ARMS will push this in the other direction. But with 1-2-Switch, I don't know how many people are going to look at the lineup and go, everything's traditional controls for, for traditional games except that, and I need to pay $80 for that thing where I milk a cow. I don't know. Like, they might back off. They're not going to go, HD Rumble will be cool. They're not going to go, the motion camera for the IR motion camera will be cool. They're going to look at the Joy-Con, look at PS4 controller, go aren't they supposed to do the same thing but one lets me do it out of my house why am i paying 80 dollars and maybe be scared off by it that's my concern 
I don't know if that's how it's going to play out. Depends on how Nintendo rolls things out. But, like, that, I think, is kind of a legit issue they have with the current pricing. I don't know. Hmm. I mean, you, you raise a good point, though. In some ways, it's actually cheaper to go multiplayer, now that I think about it. Because let's say you want... Let's say you do want uh, four people to play Mario Kart or whatever. That's only 80 bucks on top of your system. Because the Switch comes with two controllers. And the Joy-Con bundle is two controllers. So that's $80 versus if you need to buy three more PS4 controllers, that's what? They're 60 a pop, right? So that's $180. Yeah, so I suddenly mean, it sounds like a good value problem. Yeah, because I mean, also, also, I mean, obviously this is playing Devil's Advocate yeah, yeah. to the situation. Well, I'm playing Devil's Advocate to um, the whole pricing scheme, so by all means. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, like right off the bat, like we're getting, at least for now, I'm getting like Bomberman, mm-hmm. Isaac, and Marco when that eventually comes out. And for a while... And for a while, like, the Joy-Cons are going to be more than enough because the Joy-Cons will work with Bomberman and Isaac for multiplayer because Isaac does have multiplayer. Yeah. And, yeah, just getting one extra pair of Joy-Cons will be suffice. And For now. Yeah, I mean, I... I guess it'll be... I, I wonder I, if... I don't know. I, I guess I, it's the perception like, of I, what I don't you really, need versus the reality of what you yeah, need. Yeah, because I don't really know when I'll really need more than... Arms. Yeah, like, more than two. I mean... Arms. That's, that's kind of the problem. See, there's the problem, though. You're almost exactly... Someone's going to walk... Maybe it won't hurt sales, but it might hurt... Of the console, but it might hurt accessory sales because someone's going to walk in Best Buy, see all those Joy-Cons, see their 80 bucks, see a Pro Controller 70 bucks... Actually, Pro Controller makes sense. I'll leave that one out. Sees the Joy-Cons are 80 bucks, and they're going to look at it and go, why, why do I need four of these? I think the Nintendo's accessory sales are going to go down with these prices, honestly. You don't need four of these. This is the first console in a very long time that comes with two controllers, and for 80 bucks, you get two more controllers... And they work with 80% of the games. So there's not nearly as much of a reason to buy more controllers. Like, you had so many Wiimotes. How many did you have at one point? You had, like, seven, eight. You had more than the system supports. Nine. You had nine? Okay, uh, well, you had nine. I mean, total that I purchased, I guess. Over the years. That's yeah. Wii Remote Plus and regular, right? Yeah, there were five pluses, four regular. But that, see, that's kind of my point. Is like, So when you want to do anything with... Um, Four nunchucks, four classic controller pro. See, see, right there, you had Two eight Wii Wii U controller pro. You had eight Wiimotes and only four nunchucks and four classic controllers and two pros because you realize certain games require a fewer number of controllers. So I think it's gonna happen with Nintendo. If- well, no, I mean, I had the four Wiimotes first, and then when the new Motion Plus technology came out, I was like, you know what, I want to phase these out, and eventually I just got four more Wiimotes with the Wii Motion Plus already in them. Right, and then eventually I just tried to get rid of the other four. Oh, okay. And then, and then we was, only support four players. Yeah. That's why you have four contracts. Yeah. yeah. And then Noah's Sword, but he only used that one for yeah. Skyward Sword and Forever Stayed in the Box. Right, right. But I, I think, like, it is kind of a thing, though, because you bought four Wii remotes. That's four $40 controllers. You could buy one $80 controller and have the same number of players supported. How many people are going to get more Joy-Cons? I, See, if, Nintendo's, it's going to bottom out on them, the, the pricing a little. Because if they were cheaper, I think a lot of people would be like, yeah, maybe I'll get something like Arms one day. Sure. But at $80, that's a, you have to think about it. And that's kind of where I'm like, I don't know if that's going to do as well for them. Yeah, because, I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's, it, go For ahead. now, the situation for me feels easier. It's like, all right, I just need to right now get, at yeah. some point, two Switch Pro controllers and one more pair of Joy-Cons. Oh, and... for us, it's easier. For Nintendo, it might be harder yeah. to sell accessories, which is, as we talked about before, their bread and butter is they love selling plastic. We had this whole theory that has yet to come true, but I think still will, that the Joy-Cons will be interchangeable with other controller designs eventually. They'll have a D-pad one. They'll have a GameCube one for Smash Bros., that sort of thing. They haven't discussed that one way or another, so it's not out as a possibility. But if it's $80 for every custom controller, 
how many custom controllers are people going to buy? A, yeah. a, like a, 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 the nunchuck was 20. The zapper was 20. The Wii wheel was 10. Granted, the Joy-Con wheel is like cheap too. But actually, the zapper might be more because it came with the game. But uh, point is, significantly lower price. No, yeah, definitely. It's not the kind of thing that you can just be like, oh, I'm going to buy a few different versions of these. So you have... You have That's a- actually why. And I guess I have to admit that because of the price, instead of... Um, buying a second pair of Joy-Cons day one, I'm actually going to wait a while because yeah, exactly. I want to kind of stagnate them a little because at some point I know I'll have to get four pairs of Joy-Cons because there might be something that uses, I guess, like, I don't know, I guess... Yeah, four, four controller. Yeah, 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 four player that you have to, like, I don't know, arms with, but with four people. Yeah. So I don't want to have to get the regular gray one and the colored ones and then eventually the Bowser edition comes out yep. and the Mario edition and, the this, blah, blah, blah. and this is what I think Nintendo's issue will be because you have people that are already buying the system like you who have a bajillion controllers and you're not even buying all the controllers right now and then you have people who are looking at the system like if I want to do this that or the next thing I need what controllers eh I don't know like it's kind of this it, more so than the, the console price I feel like this is the thing that could be a hold up for Nintendo's revenue stream but we shall see I could be overthinking it I mean to Nintendo's credit, the entire reason they're in this situation is because they're getting us a console that comes with two controllers out of the box, and the controllers can be split and be used almost fully on their own as half controllers. So, so it might, it might, you know, they they probably went into this knowing this would happen, but it still seems ridiculously high. So that that's my two cents on ex, on the accessories. I don't know. It, it this is definitely a wait and see. I hope it doesn't mean they're not doing crazy extensions with new types of Joy Cons because I thought that was one of the coolest possibilities of the Switch. Even though they never said they were going to do it. Like, just the idea of it was really cool. So, we'll see. Um, generally, I feel... Yeah, it does make the Smash Brothers situation interesting. Yeah. See? See, right there, if you, you either need to buy a bunch of Pro Controllers at $70 or a bunch of full Joy-Cons at $80, back in the day, it was like 40 I mean, or $50. I, I guess in That's theory, a significant I mean, up, well, uh, markup. Actually, I guess it's not that tricky. Because, to be fair... Well, actually... The GameCube controller well, for Smash was thirty. If yeah, I well, correctly. this well, is no, 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 more well, than double. Because I mean, for the most part, like I only ever play with the Wii U Pro controller, and I'm pretty sure I'm just gonna end up playing with the Switch Pro controller. And I only have two of those because everyone else that usually plays doesn't really care what controller they get, although get a GameCube controller because they were yeah, already but you're there. out of those options now. I mean, we don't know that. Nintendo for all said I know, they're, for, Nintendo for all not I know confirmed that, they're doing a GameCube. That's yeah, but I mean, yeah. they also didn't confirm that they were going to have the GameCube for the Wii U for a long time. That's true. Which That's is true. why I dropped the GameCube controller initially, because I was like, wait, there's no GameCube controller for it. What are we going to yeah. do? So, fair. I feel... Yeah, I mean, I feel That's like... Fair. I'm pretty sure they're going to they're gonna keep the GameCube controller on in some way. The USB. But yeah, I mean, the, it, the port already... The dock already has the USB port, and I mean... Pro gamers or blah 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 because I mean they're still supporting the fighting game community. They're always um sponsoring like they're sponsoring Genesis and they're sponsoring yeah, Evo. Yeah. So they're I'm pretty sure to some extent they want to keep those people happy. So which like, is why the cool idea we had of you just take the Joy Cons, make them half GameCubes, and stick them on the sides. Terrible the, though, is it? Because oh, I mean, fine. It's not terrible, but. <laughs> People like that's they're the, used to the ergonomics. I guess, yeah, that, that, but, that's, that's the whole that's the whole yeah. reason they'll stick with the GameCube controller just because they have those dimensions they've been playing for like over ten years. That's fair. Yeah, if anything, that's part of the problem just because they've had access to that exact same controller so since long. the GameCube days. Yeah. Well, otherwise, I mean, like I would be fine like, to adapt to something new, which is what I did. But mm. I mean, the majority refuses to. 
So I guess it's a wait and see with the accessories, which is weird because I feel like with every other Nintendo system, it's like, oh yeah, obviously you need these controllers. And that's like, well, which controllers do you need? How does this work? It's weird. But it's not the only one, I feel like, that raised eyebrows in the in the community of gamers. Unless there's any other thoughts of accessories and get steer away. I think we sort of hit it all. It's just kind of wait and see. Yeah. But yeah, the other one that has a... Well, first of all, there's the battery, which people were like, three to six hours, that sucks. I'm pretty sure that's what the original D, uh, 3DS was. And we survived just fine. And the thing is, it has a USB-C port on it, and you can plug that into anything. You can even plug portable battery packs into it. So if you played Pokemon Go and you're cool with your phone having the portable battery pack, you can do that with the Switch. It's not ideal. I know. Like, but if it's a if it's a difference between that and having a ridiculously fat system that like doesn't isn't portable because it's so big for the giant battery. Which, by the way, the battery on this is bigger than the battery on any smartphone. So it's not like they're. They're, yeah. they're trying to do the best they can. Oh, yeah, honestly, the, battery the, the battery, I feel, isn't really that big of a deal. Yeah, me neither. Because, yeah, I mean, if you're in any given place for more than three hours, you're probably more than likely going to have access to power. And if you don't, then you probably shouldn't be there for more than three hours. I don't know. Like, <laughs> If you don't have access to power for three hours, no, if you're sitting on the top of a mountain and playing Switch, reassess then, your priorities. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Because, I yeah. mean, I can't really think of many situations where that would be the case unless yeah. you're... I mean, if you're at a library, I mean, no, they, they have power. No, yeah, they do, but I mean, trains have power, buses have power, planes have power. Yeah, but exactly, like if you think of people that don't have power, where a person would be for that given amount of time, they probably shouldn't even be playing the switch. I'm trying yeah. to think of like, I can't. I don't know, like if fine, if you're like in the jury duty lobby and no, there's I, power in the no, no, I know, and like no, I'm, I'm just making yeah. a, I'm just making a, and they look down on playing games or something, then that's probably well, then know. they'll take away your switch and yeah. it's a whole other story. Like, yeah, it's, yeah, I'm sure it's one or two off example. You know, if anyone listening has a weird scenario where they play games for prolonged periods and don't have access to power, please post it in the comments because I'm actually legitimately curious, and we'll share these next episode. I mean, if, you, if there are anyone, if there is anyone that does. I mean, the only thing I could think of is if um you're riding the bus somewhere. And the bus doesn't have an outlet, which like most a city of, bus. yeah, yeah, which most of them don't. You go do whatever you have to do, which is like keeping you busy. And then you're at the end of the day, and you're running your yeah, bus actually, back. Yeah, actually, a good point. So maybe you'd never have a chance to charge it, and that I could see being an issue. That could that's actually a good point. So, so commuting... you cannot use that as your comment, but if you have another, but example... <laughs> you can also carry a portable charger at that. point. Yeah, right, because you probably so... have a bag because you're putting the switch somewhere. Exactly. Between, so, yeah. so come on, people. But I think the real one that uh, I, mean, I agree with is being you should not have to be creative, but you can. Yeah, it's doable. It's not ideal, but it's doable. It's just like how you manage your phone, just significantly shorter. <laughs> but um, now the the other thing that I think so it sounds like we both are yeah right. my phone lasts less than three hours sometimes. But yeah. yeah, that's when you're playing Hearthstone, I assume. Yeah, you addict. But uh, well, yeah, I I think, it so it sounds like the two of us yeah. are on the same page that the battery thing's not a big deal. But I think what we could probably both agree on that the internet also finds to be a big deal is their online plan for the Switch, which, to put it nicely, is really, 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 really weird. It's just weird. So for the first time, among other things, Nintendo's charging a subscription fee for their online service. The fee, which can be paid monthly or annually. Uh, it's going to give you access to their full online suite. You're going to be able to um, do lobbies, do matchmaking, do voice chat. But here's the catch. You are not doing it on your Switch. You're doing it on a dedicated Switch smartphone app. According to the Switch website, you're going to use this to do things like invite friends to play, set up gaming appointments. That one actually sounds cool. Setting up gaming appointments is a really clever idea that no one seems to have done. Or do chat, which is great. And I those mean, sound reasonable. How's that different from sending someone a text? Like, hey, let's play at five when you get home. Well, no, because I think the app will push your reminders to go your Switch. 
Hmm. If it's an appointment, it's going to be like a calendar entry. And it's going to be like, hey, in 10 minutes, you're going to meet Angel to play uh, Then how is that different from just setting it on your Apple calendar? Because you don't have to manually go, oh, cool, this person wants to play. Let me go on my calendar. They'll just send you a let's play at 5, and then you hit yes, and then at 10 to 5, it's like time to play hmm. or something. That's my theory. But, like, I think that's kind of neat. Um, and those sound reasonable. Everything – like, those three, friend interaction, chat, and invites are cool. But then in an interview – Reggie expanded on it a bit, and this is where it gets weird. So you'll use the app, it turns out, as I think I said already, for matchmaking, for lobbies, for voice chat. If we take what he's saying at face value, that means that none of this is in the game, but on an app that you use next to your game, which just seems like if we had a record scratch sound, like in like ready to play at any moment in the podcast, I think this is where we play it. Like, oh yeah, the Switch has matchmaking and lobbies and voice chat, but not on the Switch. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, Reggie described it literally as, quote, an elegant solution. And I don't, I, I legitimately fail to see how any part of this is elegant. If it's an addition to performing those, like, if it's in addition to performing those actions on the Switch, then that's cool. That's great. It's kind of neat to be able to do it either, you know, on your Switch or set up a game while you're on your phone walking to the Switch across the house or whatever. But it sounds like it's only on the app and not on the switch which is weird because like you only have two hands so let's say you're playing in portable mode let's say you're playing in handheld mode and you're holding the two joy cons and you have the switch tablet and now on the side you have your phone you have to keep reaching over and tapping things to like trigger the next lobby or the next matchmaking or whatever like i don't know it's another example to me at least of how nintendo took a very simple concept of the switch traditional mm-hmm. gaming on the go and, and muddied did. it up and nintendo did up like what it should be very simple to just do matchmaking, and yet, according to Reggie again, um, it you now have to like use your phone, which maybe Reggie misspoke. My hope is Reggie misspoke. I mean, perhaps he meant you set up matchmaking and the like when not in the game. Funny how before they were like, man, Nintendo should take more advantage of smartphones. And, and now they're like, and, oh. and, and now they're like, all right, we're going to use smartphones to, like to, quote, to quote an internet meme Nintendo's like hold my beer and then this <laughs> happened <laughs> like, like that's basically what happened but uh yeah I mean if if Reggie misspoke and if he's referring to the scheduling tool as the matchmaking and lobbying and the chat as lobbies and that sort of thing then sure this is great but and it's you know I think it's very possible as what he's saying because the fact is we have online games coming out before this app is ready. The premium online service with its subscription does not launch until late summer, early fall. Yet we have Mario Kart 8 Deluxe with online play on April 28th. We have Splatoon 2 with online play and voice chat this summer. So there clearly has to be a way to do this in-game, at least for Mario Kart. I mean, if, and if there's a way to do it in game for that, there's a way to do it in game for every Switch game. Because why on earth would they take out the thing that's already there? Uh, based on the interviews, it kind of sounds like their main focus was to get those, as he put it, cumbersome big headsets out of the way. And that's dumb, <laughs> <laughs> Reggie. I'm sorry. I'm a fan. You were you're very nice to me when I met you, but that is dumb. I it, no. Because you know what? You could have had a not cumbersome headset. People carry around iPhone headphones with microphones on them. You could plug those into the headphone jack of the Switch and have voice chat on your Switch. In fact, in fact, in your own trailer for the Switch, your own reveal trailer, there's a dude playing with headphones on an airplane. And I think he has the mic attachment on the wire of the headphone. Playing Skyrim, though. But my point is, like, you already have the capability to plug in a microphone. So the whole, like, unwieldy, bulky headset thing, just no. 
but not no. when the switch is in the dock and the Wii U Pro controller and the Switch Pro controller doesn't have a headphone jack apparently. But in that case, couldn't they just support Bluetooth? This thing has Bluetooth actually. The FCC file or F- FTC <laughs> FCC the FCC file. They they report ten curse words on a switch. No, the FTC file. Whoever it is that looks at electronics, I think it's the Federal Trade Commission. Their filing shows that there's Bluetooth in the switch for the controllers. Presumably, they could do another Bluetooth channel for this. I assume it's for the controllers, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, to, to Nintendo's credit, they've never gotten chat right. So if this is what it takes for them to finally have voice chat in more games, that's fine, I guess. Like, I'm coming at... See, I'm almost, like, accepting it, this ridiculousness. But the fact of the matter is, they've always had a weird background. Like, if you look at voice chat in the past, it's like, you could chat in a lobby. In Metro Prime Hunters, you could chat before you battle and after you battle. After you battle. But you watch out while you're battling? Nope. Same with Mario Kart 8. Same with Mario Kart. Same with... Uh, wait, Mario Kart 8? This has... Yeah, you could chat in the lobby. Oh, that's right. And then we just did it because it was horrible, a horrible experience. Uh, and what was, it, the, what was that thing called for Animal Crossing that you put on top of the... The Wii Speak. Yeah, Wii Speak. See, Wii Speak, you could do it throughout. I don't know. You could. I, I, remember, I had a Wii Speak. I remember when we were for Animal Crossing. So my, my theory... My theory, now that I've settled down is that uh, Nintendo's purposely keeping voice chat off Switch for the same reason they did with every other game. It's to avoid latency issues, it's to free up processing power. Nintendo's always said there it was the reason they did not have true voice chat in very fast-paced games. And it, honestly, as much as the app is kind of dumb, at least it does provide a decent enough workaround for the issue. If you're concerned about but latency I mean, and lag, just put I've it on another device. But at that point, you can just use Skype. Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> I never really hear people with PS3 and Xboxes that do you use yeah, the company with voice chat ever say that, like, oh, man, the voice chat is always, like, bringing the, the latency down. I'm getting so frustrated by this, I just almost spilled water all or over my laptop. Up, I but I think I did spill water on my laptop. Anyway, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. It's kind of a BS excuse, but if Nintendo seriously means it, this is the workaround to that exact excuse. Like, it's not like they're like, remember that excuse? Well, now we have a different excuse. It's consistent with their excuse. They are consistently using the same lame excuse. So, yeah, I guess there's that. But, yeah, if it's on the phone, why oh, not no, use... Oh, no, my battery phone's about to die. No, I oh. that, but why not use Skype? Why not use FaceTime? You're now... Nintendo's now Discord, competing... Discord, which yeah, is... Yeah, Discord. Mm-hmm. Nintendo's literally competing against established communication platforms because they're making you use the device where the platforms already live. They could easily, and if that's the case, how is voice chat a value add for their premium online service? Because if you're like, I have to go to this device where I have all these free alternatives for voice chat overrides for like VoIP and for video chat or whatever, why why am I now paying Nintendo for the privilege? Of course, the counter argument is because you can't access online at all unless you pay for the privilege, but it sort of takes away the value add, you know what I mean? So we'll see. I mean, it's all the same app. Now you don't have to switch between them. I guess so. Because they're making you use an app to begin with. But yeah. Like, quite frankly, the if they were if there was one thing of this I'd be like fine do it it would be voice on the app only and having all the lobbies and matchmaking also be across both but it's just so weird equally puzzling by the way is if you go to the Switch website you can look at the description of online and it says that you can chat in quote compatible games so you're gonna have an app on a different device to handle voice chat and yet you will limit which games you can voice chat in, even though it's a different device, where if someone really wants to voice chat, they could just close your app and open FaceTime or the phone. Does that strike you as weird? <laughs> like, either at that point, just have it be universal chat no matter what you're doing, like uh, I mean, Xbox it, did. That's what it normally is. Yeah. yeah. It, 
what are you doing, Nintendo? Like, I don't understand this at all. Like, why on earth would you limit chat in the app if the app's not even on the same device as the main thing? And if the app lives on a device with a bunch of other chat oh, apps? Oh, God, and make... It uh, makes no sense. I mean, at least... I mean, voice chat, I mean, it kind of sounds like a mess, but at mm-hmm. least text chat sounds like it could potentially be yeah. completely, completely resolved. And honestly, a lot better. Like, text chat is one thing that I feel actually benefits from being on your phone. Because mm-hmm. no matter... No matter what, it's always going to be faster texting on your phone than it is using the controller. I agree. Did so, you notice? So that's always a lot better. And also being potentially getting push notifications when you actually receive a message sounds amazing because Nintendo <laughs> makes it such a pain to open your messages like, oh, I got a Mebus notification. I guess I'll ignore that because sometimes they're nothing. Oh, in it the turns last out, 15 minutes, we become so bitter about Nintendo. Like, what just But sometimes we get messages <laughs> on Miiverse because they, they had to put it on Miiverse instead of making it its own thing. That Like, sometimes it's just, oh, someone like this, as opposed to yeah. an actual message, and then you respond all late. And it's, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I think, I think that's what I was saying before. I think if it was a companion app, it's not... better than the bulletin board. Oh, but yeah. Well, guess, the Wii bulletin board was... Well, I mean, it they, was a cool they, they've, they've all gotten progressively better. Yeah. But, geez. But, yeah, I... I I'm so confused by this voice chat, voice chat thing. Like, I'm this close to ripping the Nintendo shirt. I'm wearing it half in anger. No, not really. But um, I was going to say, it's the weird... Like, I think if it's a companion app, it makes total sense. If you could do all this on the Switch, great. And then if you could also... Minus voice chat. And then if you also do it in the companion app for more instant push notifications, sure, that's fine. But to only limit it on one is so bizarre to me. And it's especially weird because so much of the Switch is so intuitive. Did you know... I mean, well, first of all, obviously the way it switches from TV to handheld by itself you have to press anything that's really intuitive but did you know do you know how joy-con syncing works it's so cool if you want to just slip it in and out yeah if you want to sync new joy-cons you don't have to hit a sync button you don't do anything you just put them in on the sides and pull them back out and they're synced so does unsyncing the same thing i assume you just go put them back in your own Hmm. it's like see that is intuitive that is really clean there has to be Online. a way to because... Oh, they have sync buttons on the bottom. They're probably, you probably hold it for five seconds or something. Or you go into the menu and unsync it manually. But the fact is, you could just sync it and then go sync it on your other device and you're mm. fine. You don't need to unsync it at any point. But see, that is intuitive. That is great. All this online stuff, is some, specifically voice chat, is somehow the polar opposite of that, which is weird. Like, how does Nintendo get it so well on one hand and then not get it at all on the other? I don't, you don't get... But perhaps the bigger talking point was online is that Nintendo's now charging for it for the first time ever. And I get why it's happening. You know, uh, servers take money. To, uh, they got to keep those running for years. That's a lot of money. But it kind of seems odd to me that Nintendo would decide to go premium without features that their current free without online premium offers. premium-sounding features? Or without premium-sounding features or without features that are currently free. They are killing Miiverse, for example. Along with Street Pass, actually. But, I mean, Street Pass wouldn't be an online feature to begin with i kind of get why it's not there it's a home console you take on the go not portable console you play at home so from that mindset okay sure but meverse was such an interesting idea like it never i feel like meverse never really got to its true potential because i want to pitch meverse back in what 2012 2011 as kind of this like special social network for gamers because if you're a gamer and you post on your facebook or your twitter or your instagram like look what i did in mario kart today not that many people are going to care. But you can have this little bubble of Miiverse where you go in there and you post your gaming accomplishments and people will care. It will become more significant for you to share your, your accomplishments and share the stuff you do. And that was kind of the idea behind Miiverse. It's like an insulated video game echo chamber almost. 
and I don't think that ever really happened. I personally stopped using it a few years ago. It kind of was like just this weird meme and meme machine, like that's all it was. But it did kind of have a coolness to it. Like it is kind of sad that they're just like scrapping it, along with Mies almost. Like you can now edit Mies in your settings menu, but the Mies are not required for your profile. The Mies are losing all their shareable stuff. They don't have birthdays, they don't have public settings, they don't have creator names. They're just your avatar. It seems like Miiverse and Mies are kind of being pushed away, Miiver. even though they were the core of the free online. Now when you pay, you lose them. Miiverse, I feel, I don't know. I guess it's because loading the app felt slow. Like, that too. Like, it was really like, slow. It was not like, ideal. There were like little things that just kind of added up into like, oh, I don't a really feel experience. like checking it. And if they had like a dedicated app, I mean, they tried with the with the website. website that you could set as a yeah a, item on your home screen, but yeah. even then, like it was just kind of I don't know, it was just sluggish. It just wasn't really fun. It wasn't fluid, and that's what I mean by like missed potential. Like there was so much. It was cool to draw, on, but yeah. yeah, there's so much. And then they did that revamp that somehow made it like not like the revamp. The was journal not good. was kind of weird. It, it none of it made sense. It was yeah, I don't know. It. I mean, I. I, yeah, I'm someone who works in online community management. Then they as, got ads. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they need their monies. Yeah. But yeah, as someone who works a day job of online community management, I understand why Nintendo's pulling the cord. Like, it requires a lot of work on their end to moderate, especially to make it kid-friendly. And they're fostering a community with contests and promotions and activities with very little return. I don't think this thing ever made money. I don't think this thing, the majority of Wii users probably never post on it. So I kind of get why it's going away. It just feels like what a missed opportunity that could have been. That could have been something great. There were in the early days. Remember we had that article, Art Masters of the Miiverse, and it's like all these really cool artists that are posting really cool pictures. And then things happened where it became like, let's go to the, what was it, the the farm game that had that board and people were just spamming it with like memes of a speci- of some random actors. And like it kind of, it sort of fell apart at the seams. But briefly, it could have been really cool. So it's a little sad to see it go. Hmm. Um. I don't know. That's, I would have liked to see it live on, but whatever. Now, that's not to say everything Nintendo's doing with online is bad. They got rid of Miiverse. Voice chat is confusing. Having an app with how Switch thing is... I, I don't even know. But there's some cool stuff they're doing. Uh, for example, no more region locking. That's a huge plus. And what's cool about that is, according to Kotaku, you're going to be able to rotate between up to eight different accounts per Switch, each set to whatever country you'd like. So if you want to buy a game from Japan, you just switch to your Japanese account, and boom, you just download it, and you're good to go. So that seems nice. That's something fans have wanted a long time, so it's cool that they're kind of addressing that. And likewise, they have a parental control app, which is really clever, where uh, you remotely control your kid's Switch. You set playtime limits. You monitor the games they're playing most, all that stuff. There's a great video of Bowser parental doing control, it. Parental control, or you could call it the troll app if you share your console it, yeah, with, with a bunch of friends. Else. Ooh, that'd be fun, actually. Like if you live in college and, yeah. and... you just troll each other. Yeah, just like don't let them make their own account. You just do this one and mm-hmm. turn it off whenever. And they have a great video of Bowser using it for Bowser Jr. Like literally one of the best like informational videos Nintendo's ever done, I think. But I mean, just one of the best informational videos. Period. period. Yeah. But yeah, so I think I think like that stuff, which isn't directly tied to Nintendo's core online, but obviously leans very heavily on an online infrastructure and online connectivity. Those are really well done. Like if they take how the parental control app looks and feels and works, and somehow map that yeah, to that, the online that app, really that nice. would be and it simple. awesome. Yeah. I mean, I can only guess the the matchmaking app is going to look uh, sleek it's and probably gonna, no, It's probably going to be similar. I mean, they're going to want a, uni- a unified design language between yeah. them. Um, 
And then back within online subscriptions specifically, another thing I feel like we need to call out as being kind of cool is Nintendo will be providing digital download discounts to every subscriber and a monthly virtual console game, which is more cool in concept than execution because in typical... The, yeah? I said I hope they bring back the digital deluxe promo. They cool. will not. Yeah. Instead, it's going to be the digital dis- the digital download discounts through my Nintendo probably. But the, the thing I wanted to focus on for a minute was the virtual console thing. So like I started saying, it's really cool in concept. But in typical Nintendo fashion, even this has a catch. So the pros of this whole thing is every single month you're going to get a free NES or Super Nintendo game to play. The Super Nintendo games, if they have multiplayer, will be online supported now. They're actually going in and rewriting the code or updating the code, which is actually really cool. But the major con is you only get them for a month. Once that month is up, uh, you have to pay to keep playing. So basically they're not free games. They are extended demos or rentals or whatever you want to call them yeah rental sounds like the right word which is weird because so playstation network and xbox live also do monthly free games but when you get them you get them they are yours yeah. to keep you could literally just like go in there go to checkout and then not even download them just have them just so you can have them in the future exactly but so yeah this makes nintendo just look extra stingy and when you're going i feel like when you're going from never paying not having to pay for online to having to pay for online but losing some features but having inconveniences potentially in how the online app works. I don't know if being stingy is the best look for Nintendo because they're already basically saying pay up and get these weird things you didn't have before and lose the things you did have before all by giving us money and then we're going to not give you comparable things to what PlayStation and Xbox give you. I mean, that's Unless a, it's significantly cheaper in price. I mean, if that's to defend them in some way, I guess they are NES and SNES games which you can definitely beat in a month but but if they have online multiplayer what if you want to go back and play uniracers against some I know, in yeah. brazil every day for two oh, yeah, years that, that, that are... and it shouldn't be <laughs> one and, and it shouldn't be an nes game or snes game it should, it be, should be both yeah you should get like three or four they have enough games in their backlog between n64 to and everything honest, to give you like five games a month probably to be honest the uh nes Classic Edition should really have taught them a lesson in how to do this. That was 30 games for $60, and that thing was impossible to find. So they can afford to do five games as part of a $10 fee a month. Or I know. Make this feel like another NES Classic, edition, uh, NES Classic Edition. That would make people go like, oh, I couldn't find one. But this thing already has like, I don't know, after like six months, it's going to yeah. have like 30 NES games that you could take anywhere with you. It's like a portable NES. Yeah. At that yeah. point. And SNES. So, and N64. Exactly. And GameCube, potentially. 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 But, yeah. So, so yeah, I think many... I think the real takeaway here is just many of these online and Maybe software... Maybe uh, oh, That would be kind of neat. I mean... One day. One day. But yeah, me, I, th- I think the real takeaway from all this is that many of the online and software decisions that Nintendo are doing are just odd. And it doesn't help that a lot of them are not there at launch, either. I don't know... God, we're being so bare about Nintendo right now, but it, it's, it's how I love Nintendo. But I don't know how we are now however many console launches in and nintendo still doesn't have key features ready day and date with the system online has oh, been like be every day. Nin- that'd be so nice you right know, when you buy the console and it has what everything it says it will there. have but like online has been on every nintendo system since the ds how is it not fully fleshed out on switch day one the other biggie to it me was delayed yeah exactly this thing was supposed to be ready three months ago this was gonna come out holiday 2016 kimishima admitted that they pushed it back to make more games for it, implying the infrastructure for it and online would be there. I don't get it. But not only that, but the other biggie that's missing from launch are the streaming apps. There's no Netflix. There's no Hulu. There's no YouTube. There's no web browser. There's 
You mean I have to use my Wii U to watch Breaking Bad? That's exactly what I mean. Don't unplug that thing. Well, Mister, you can watch it. Yeah, so I caught you've already watched it all. But it makes me. This all makes me wonder what other things are going to be missing. Are we not going to have folders again in the UI? Oh, they How... better have folders. Jeez, that like was... it doesn't. <sighs> I mean, to be fair, the UI currently, even without folders, it looks really nice and clean. But if you need, if you have like. 40 games. It did not you need take long to, to need folders on the 3DS or the Wii U. Also, Nintendo, you've made interfaces that have folders. You know how they work. It can't be that hard. Now, this is us projecting. Who knows if they have folders or not? But it's just crazy to me that the system that has delayed from 2016 still doesn't have streaming apps at launch, still doesn't have online at launch, doesn't have a web browser, which, while not necessary, was kind of nice on the Wii U. So, I, I don't know. I think what we're getting at with the Switch on a system level both hardware and software-wise, is there's a lot it's doing right, but there's a lot of weird little things it's doing wrong. And while I think the two of us are both still... I don't mean to speak on behalf, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think we're both still really excited for the system. It's just... The typical Nintendo little... Nags. Yeah. Not even nags. Nintendo, nags is the wrong word. It's like these Nintendo... Like, we keep... We, we can only be so excited because we keep bonking into... Like, if excitement was like we were going up like an elevator or something. The elevator would keep snagging on things as it goes up. And these are those things. That's a horrible analogy, but you kind of get what I mean. Right. Yeah. So, so that, yeah. So that's the hardware and software side of the switch story. But really, I feel that's only half the story because the other half is of course the games. And what I find particularly interesting is that the games tell a totally different story than the hardware. Again, showing how we have the switch being this concept that initially was just gaming on the go, a console on the go, but it's expanded beyond what was presented in October to be this Everything. story of a Wii 2 almost because of the new controls. So hardware-wise, we're looking at a Wii 2. Software-wise, the story is more of a traditional game machine, but not even just like a normal game machine, a traditional Nintendo game machine, like old-school nostalgic Nintendo game machine, not newfangled Wii, not Xbox machine, but a Nintendo one. And I think Chris Kohler, who's a writer at Wired, or was, I think he actually just left, um... He sums it up best. So if you look at the current lineup of first and third party games on the Switch, it skews very heavily to the specific demographic of Nintendo fans. Not core gamers, not casual gamers, Nintendo fans. Like, you're looking at games for people who buy Nintendo's own games primarily and then buy similar, similarly styled ones. So they're ones that buy, like, puzzle games or retro revivals or JRPGs or that sort of, like, you know, you know the Nintendo bubble. We live in it. Huh. The launch has a retro revival, and there's some yeah, JRPGs coming. Exactly. That's that's Chris Kohler's entire point. So if you look at third party li- the third party lineup, it matches to a T. You got Sonic Mania, which, by the way, I actually remember Tantalus was teasing that they're working on a Switch port, uh-huh. and it was like, oh, the Twilight Princess HD developers are making a new Nintendo game. No, they made Sonic Mania. That's them. Just mm-hmm. so you know, uh, there's Sonic Mania. There's Street Fighter Two. There's Bomberman. There's a whole bunch of JRPGs, new and old, from Dragon Quest to I Am Sensuna, to the amazingly horribly named Project Octopath Traveler from uh, Square Enix's Bravely Default team, which, by the way, looks gorgeous. You mean it's gorgeous. not a tentative title? It is, but it's a horrible tentative title. Um, the game looks gorgeous. I love the mix of 3D and sprites and the shadows on the sprites, but so it still has a horrible name. I'm sorry, but Octopath Traveler, no. Um, but then on the first-party front, so that's what third-parties are getting. And now on the first-party front, you see Nintendo targeting us core Nintendo fans of years with, like, not just, oh, here's a Nintendo game, but, like, Mario's return to the old sandbox style of Mario 64 and Sunshine. Zelda going full open world after trying to sort of 
dabble in what if we streamline it a bit and going nope let's just go super other direction xenoblade 2 which is massive splatoon which is a huge hit mario kart which is big with fans even fire emblem getting two games on switch as they discussed in the fire emblem direct there's one coming this year the spin-off warriors and then there's a new one next year that they haven't even told us anything about except there'll be a core game like a core fire emblem all that is definitely catering to nintendo people more than anyone else and Kohler didn't touch on this, but I feel it's also evident if you look at the huge focus on local multiplayer in these early Switch games. I think Ninten- I think we could all agree Nintendo's the king of local multiplayer. So if you look at what the Switch is doing, and even the concept behind it, you could see that they're really honing in on that. Because like it, they're, they're king so much that they're the driving for- one of the driving forces behind the Switch concept, and this was according to an interview with the Wall Street Journal, was to figure out a way to simulate how you look at an opponent when you play a game of cards, how you look them in the eye but to do that through video games, because video games currently can't do that. That's where the idea of, what well, if you have the screen between you and you have these little mini controllers and you take it anywhere came from. You're not both staring at your own DSs. You're not both staring at a TV in front of you. You are facing each other, potentially, or sitting in a certain way with the screen between you or having two switches. It's always different configurations trying to address that. And we're now also seeing a lot of multiplayer games in the early lineup that play nice with this whole Nintendo local multiplayer is king idea. We've got Bomberman again. Street Fighter again, Snipperclips, Sonic Mania, Ukulele. Uh, Square Enix is even adding a PvP mode as a free day one download to their uh, Switch version of I Am Sensuna, which is an old school JRPG and has no reason to have a multiplayer mode, but Switch is so focused on multiplayer, which is such a key thing that Nintendo fans seem to enjoy, that they're throwing it in there. So this all to me suggests that they're going after this core Nintendo fan lineup as Kohler suggested. And to go beyond that point, though, I'm going full rant here, sorry. But to go beyond that point, if you look at the Switch's lineup of its Nintendo fan focus to the last few Nintendo systems, it's actually really interesting what's sort of happening here. So with the Wii U, as you may recall, they went after like the broader core gamer who loves PlayStation and Xbox, and they gave him ports of Batman and Call of Duty and all these like gamer games, right? And the Wii, they went more casual friendly. They had Wii Sports, Excite Truck, all that sort of stuff at launch. Carnival games. Carnival games. Well, that's a little later, yeah, but yeah, yeah, at launch. And then even the DS tried to skew towards a specific demographic with an older, mature audience with, you know, uh, Metroid Prime Hunter's First Hunt, Feel the Magic XYXX, which was somewhat weirdly sexual, and that dating sim from Gameloft. Do you remember that? There's a whole game where all you did was date people. It was called Sprung, and that was one of the launch titles for the, uh, for the oh, yeah. DS. I think 3DS was the only odd one that didn't seem to have a clear demographic. They had Pilot Wings, they had Nintendogs, and they had Steel Diver. But what we'll ignore, if you look at everything but 3DS, there's a bit of a pattern. So Wii U was the core gamer machine, but kind of projected that it would have a Nintendo gamer focus later on in its life because they also had New Super Mario Bros. U and Nintendo Land on day one. And then the Wii, which, which, as I just said, was kind of more casual focus, they also projected that they'd have a boon in core games by mostly having casual stuff, but then having Zelda Twilight Princess and Red Steel in the launch lineup. Then the DS even though it was mostly a mature system, kind of projected that it would turn into this more casual and family-friendly system by throwing in Mario 64 DS and Ping Pals, of all things, which was a weird chat app that, if you look back, would have made perfect sense after Brain Age, after Nintendogs, but not before. So, in all three cases, these odd games out, to me at least, ended up representing what would become key parts of each system's audience. So... In the Wii U's case, really out of necessity, it moved away from Xbox-style games and more towards pure, pure Nintendo games. And those individual games that followed, Kart, Smash, Platoon, did really well. 
with the Wii, they continued having casual games, but then there are tons of multi-million selling core games also did really well. And with the DS, well, I think that that explains itself where, yes, it started mature, yes, it had a couple casual games, but ultimately Brain Age, Dogs, all of that drove the system. Mario in a more casual way with New Super Mario Brothers, all of that drove the system way further than anything from its original mature roots. So what I'm getting at with all this is a long way to go, but what I'm getting at with all this is that I think while the Switch message is rather muddy now, it's a mix of games suggesting one type of system, but yet controllers and hardware that seem to suggest another type of system, I believe it's going to become clearer over time as the demographic pans out. I think right now the Switch is for Nintendo fans because we're the ones that are going to buy it, and that's why they're making it look at how much this is a normal console. But then there's going to probably be some sort of casual shift and those Joy-Cons are going to come to their own and I think it's being projected now by the fact that we have a totally core gamer lineup except two games. 1-2-Switch and Snipper Clips. Those are the most casual things imaginable and like with the Wii, like with the Wii U, like with the DS, I wouldn't be surprised if they are a signal of what we're going to see a year or two from now as the primary focus of the Switch. Or a focus, a main focus, maybe not primary. Hmm. So that's kind of my theory. If nothing else, what I just said certainly meshes, uh, uh, meshes well with comments Reggie made to time. He basically described Nintendo as right now laying the groundwork for different demographics with the lineup. So uh, he expand. <laughs> he kept referring to this ex- uh, this idea as expanding the footprint of the Switch. He said the word footprint nine times in his interview. You counted him? I did. Because I kept seeing footprint. Because he's like, well, expand the footprint. We'll get the footprint of the gamer and the footprint of the kid. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> so I, like, I control after it was nine times. But, uh, yeah, ultimately, Nintendo wants the system to be for every demographic, which is what they always say, you know, the kids, the young adults, the parents, the gamers. That's the ones that Reggie called out. But to start, and he admitted this, they're going after the core. They're starting tiles like Zelda. Then over the year, they plan to slowly expand outwards. They're gonna, he cites uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe as an example that appeals to gamers and kids. Now you have the gamers still happy and the kids coming in. And then way down the line at the end of the year, you have Mario Odyssey, which is a broader tile that will appeal to gamers, kids, casuals, whatever. So they're just sort of slowly piling on one by one. And in the case of 1-2-Switch and Snipper Clips, these are games that he explained will be ones that, quote, players will want to share. So presumably Nintendo's hoping word of mouth will work. That these games are here now so the Nintendo nerds like us will play them, talk about them, share them with people, and then as they slowly start building out the Switch library towards other demographics... People be like, oh, that's the thing with the that's the thing with the thing where you pretend you're eating with the controller or you milk a cow. Oh, that yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's kind of the intention I think is to have those two games lay groundwork to further expand the so-called footprint that Reggie likes to mention. And as that gets bigger, then in theory, more third parties will jump in to make those types of games and games that appeal to the other demographics that are there. I think that's where they're going with this ultimately. Hmm. Um, separately and surprisingly candidly for Reggie, because he usually is very PR speak, and I'm paraphrasing here. He also said that Nintendo can't expect third parties to adopt their games to crazy control schemes, which is what we were talking about at the top of the show. Uh, He was saying they should bring over their games how they want, the ways they want. And in many ways, I think this kind of explains why... And this is the other half of the reason why the Switch was presented to us in October as a specific thing only to get muddied now. They presented it as a traditional machine for traditional gamers because they wanted those people to buy the system and they wanted those third parties that make those types of games to feel comfortable of just bringing them over. Then they're like, by the way, we have Joy-Cons. By the way, we have these unique things. They wanted to de-emphasize it, I think, so third parties can do their thing. And then as they start brawling out the demographics and brawling out what it can do, then you start seeing more interesting things from third parties who maybe already saw success on the Switch and now have a reason to dabble in 
crazy new ideas and spend the, the uh, money on or risk the money on something new. That's kind of my thinking, at least. So it also all ties in nicely. Last part of my rant. It also ties in very nicely, I was just going to say, with my theory from last episode about if you remember when we were predicting what Nintendo's going to do, I was saying this is the year that Nintendo's kind of using their games as a gateway drug for other more typical third party releases. <gasps> the idea that, like, um, that's an unnecessarily <laughs> dramatic gasp. But yeah, the idea that, you know, as Reggie said, they want to expand the footprint. So you start with games that attract Nintendo fans. You then ease them into other content, perhaps make it more appealing towards a typical Nintendo fan by doing a crossover, making it a little more Nintendo-y. You know, the yet-to-be-proven or disproven uh, Rabbids Mario RPG crossover that did not surface at the event. That would be an example of how they do that. And then from there, you can just keep expanding outward to other type of games. If Switch owners like sports games that Nintendo puts out, for example, they are probably going to be more likely to get Steep from Ubisoft, FIFA from EA, NBA 2K18 from 2K, all of which, interestingly enough, are confirmed for Switch, but none of which are coming to later in the year. Which implies this is not the demographic they're targeting right now. They're going to bring those people in later in the year. And similarly, I suspect that Nintendo is actively encouraging these later games, which might be a mistake because the lineup's kind of small, but Gearbox's CEO on Twitter was saying that... Oh, wait, that's not... That's a weird enunciation of that sentence, I just realized. Gearbox CEO? The Gearbox CEO said on Twitter, there we go, that um, uh, the reason that Borderlands 3 is not coming to Switch is, quote, we were talking to Nintendo, but that stopped for some reason. They have other priorities. Hmm. Could their other priorities possibly be that they're targeting certain, certain demographics and Borderlands 3 does not make sense for those demographics at this time? So they're telling them don't waste the money? That's weird. It could be it, though, right? Like, think about it. If Nintendo's saying we're trying to expand a specific way, and they have all the current launch games I mean, be a specific that style from, of game. Um, giving Skyrim the go and... Uh, not out till fall. I know, that's... It, so- uh, it sounds I mean, like... it doesn't have talk- to come out now. Uh, that's they, don't have, they don't have to straight up... Be- they don't even have to tell us that they were developing yeah. the game for it. They could have eventually released, like, a trilogy later. Yeah, I get- actually, yeah. Like, why even, like, why even bring up that fact? I mean, unless like, us particularly, just, like, Gearbox or Nintendo... Well, Gearbox was asked what happened about Borderlands, if Borderlands was going to come to Switch, and they said Nintendo stopped talking to us. So when they said other priorities, I'm like, oh, that's because we this whole theory of Nintendo's priorities and Reggie talking about it and Chris Kohler talking about it, so that would kind of fit that, that, that narrative. Dumb from Nintendo. And it that, would be dumb. You know, now that you mentioned it, it would be dumb. It's like, just have it released later, or I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I forget that last unless, like, part. <laughs> unless like, their game is almost done, and like, oh, we were planning on releasing it for everything, I don't know, like, let's say April. Yeah. And then, and I guess that would go with it. Like, oh no, man! If one you could release it in June, I mean in in December. Yeah. Like, oh no! Now, but by then, that'd be too bad. Blah, blah, blah. Now, one one caveat of all this, which I should mention, especially in light of your point about Borderlands, is to be clear, I don't know if this is a good strategy or not. It's a strategy. I don't know if this is exactly what they're doing. It but sounds it, like they're telling people don't develop for your don't develop games yeah. for this console yet. I, Wait I'll, your turn. I think. I think that might be where my little theory jumps We're in the a shark sports a season right now. Don't make any fighting games. Well, <laughs> Capcom, no. Do not make Marvels of Capcom Infinity well, well, I mean, look for at, us. Okay. Because it's going to yes. be during our RPG month or whatever. No, no, no. I don't think it's quite that extreme. <laughs> I don't think it's quite that extreme. But I, my point more is... We're in our visual novel time. My, my, <laughs> my point more is this. And Borderlands was probably a bad example. I probably should have left it out because you're right. It kind of undermines what I was saying. My point is this, though. If you look at the current lineup, it's all specific type of games. More games like Style Savvy. We need more games like Style wait, Savvy. Wait, 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 let me explain. If you look at what the Switch lineup is right now, it's a specific type of, type of game. If you look at the type of games that did not do well at the launch of Wii U, it's a specific type of game. 
NBA 2K and Madden were there day and date with the Wii U. Both bombed, both never came back. Even if the audience got there later, they were not interested at that point. 2K and EA were like, no, we tried, it failed. It sounds like Nintendo's more shepherding when is a good time to start, when is your audience ready for it? When is your audience there? Because, I mean, he really, Reggie very blatantly in that time interview was like, we are targeting different demographics at different times. Like, we're going first to gamers, then to this, then to that, and we're going to keep expanding the footprint outward and outward. So if you're not in that footprint yet, Nintendo probably doesn't want you to have a bad taste in your mouth if something bombs. They're probably, like, I don't think they're doing it month by month, like you're saying. I don't think they're doing it genre by no, genre, no, but you're saying. <laughs> but I think it's like a ripple effect, and they're waiting. Wait till your ripple, I think, is the takeaway. I don't know. It, it, it's a little crazy. But it is one way to manage third-party expectations and make sure no one bails on the system because it bombs too hard. <laughs> you know that year, Luigi? Let's make that our business model. <laughs> like, again, I don't... Because, <laughs> I, I mean, because that year, yeah. they did kind of focus more on Luigi it's true. games with Luigi. And again, like, the Borderlands thing was probably where... I probably should have left that out. It just... He said they don't have, they have other priorities, and that made me immediately think of Reggie's comments, so I threw it in there. But in retrospect, yeah, that, that makes it sound a little outlandish. But I think everything else, from Reggie saying that they're expanding... Uh, footprint meticulously to Chris Kohler being like look at how every single game is a specific demographic at this point in the Switch's life like it seems it seems like it'd be intentional to me I don't know it could be and it matches what I was saying last episode about all the collaborations with third parties because they're literally building these bridges for these Nintendo fans to start branching out into these other genres yeah I mean that makes sense but I mean I guess it just sounded weird like why would Nintendo ever tell any developer to wait or something and that to me is the puzzling part because you have nintendo on one hand in interviews with reggie saying yeah we want every developer bring every game and then at the same time saying in the same interview oh also we have a specific demographic strategy and then simultaneously while that's going on they're telling the the borderlands guys at gearbox like actually they're not even telling them anything they just stop responding so for someone for some company that's super open for some kind of super open, but also saying they have this great strategy to bring in people, it seems weird that they wouldn't at least figure out a way to encourage the game to come at some time. Period. Yeah, <laughs> like, it just sounds contradictory, but yeah. maybe they want them to release a trilogy or something. Because, I mean, to be fair, I mean, releasing just part three on the Switch probably wouldn't be a good idea because yeah. it's like how Mass Effect 3 did when we didn't. Well, actually, it didn't hurt that we got a trilogy the same day that Mass Effect 3 HD or Wii U version They sent out. that to die more than anything else. Yeah, yeah, but I don't know. I mean, Gearbox, I mean, hopefully they're really something. I mean, yeah, they, yeah. I, I know they did have much luck with Battleborn, and, and that game was a good game. It just had the unfortunate timing of coming out next to um, Overwatch right. and being compared to it. Right, which, right. Oh, well. And, and, part of the, and part of the thing that's so, like, Nintendo, <laughs> Nintendo's always going Nintendo a little, I guess. Like, part of what's just <laughs> so weird about Nintendo. this is, like, they may, maybe their priorities just shifted. I don't know, but it, it's definitely strange to see Nintendo on one hand be so open, but on the other hand, just stop talking to such a major developer. So, if this is their demographic strategy in action, then maybe you keep the conversation going, Nintendo, and you just, uh, you know, help them figure out the best time to release it instead of just dropping them off a cliff or a conversation off a cliff. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. the part where we just stop talking, I mean... That's weird. They're not exactly a small developer. No, either. they're huge. And they're a publisher now, too. So it's yeah. a missed opportunity on two fronts. And I mean, and the thing is, like, just to reiterate, I... This whole, like, demographic expansion thing only works if you have games for the further demographics. So if Nintendo's really that serious about this, 
then you do want Borderlands eventually on the Switch. So to literally turn away from it just because it doesn't match the current plan, whether that's what happened or something else, that's what appears from an outsider perspective, that, that is a mistake, I'd say. On the flip side, it seems like the uh, hook of making Nintendo games for Nintendo fans is certainly helping the Switch sell well up front right now. Uh, GameStop announced that in less than a week after pre-orders began, they managed to sell through their entire first allotment of Switches. And Amazon is also sold out. So that's a good thing to see. Now for the sake of comparison, I should mention that GameStop also sold through their entire Wii U allotment uh, of pre-orders back in 2012, and that was 500,000 consoles. They had then went through a wait list of 250,000 more consoles, and we all know how the Wii U turned out. So I don't know how good of a sign this is of the, of the Switch's success, but what the allotment sell-through tells me is it's at least going to do as well and not worse than the Wii U. So that that's a plus, I guess. Hmm, that's good. It's not going to be Nintendo's worst-selling console outside of Virtual Boy, presumably. So, Or it will at least be compare, equal to the worst-selling console. Uh, so it be a tie. But all of this about the lineup and whatnot, or all this about, sorry, about the um, third-party support brings us to the lineup, which I guess, uh, yeah, it's a little small. It's um, Which is odd given that the Switch has been in development for so long, and Wii U's game drought was so long that it seemed to imply they already moved resources over, and yet here we are with not a ton of games. For We have 35 announced titles for Switch. Which sounds like a lot, but then you realize they're talking about between now and the end of the year, 35 tiles. For comparison, Wii U had 32 games in its quote-unquote launch window. Wii had 21 games in its quote-unquote launch window. And 3DS had 18 games in its so-called launch window. For the Switch, there is no launch window. Nintendo, for whatever reason, decided to not use the term whatsoever, maybe because there's not many games to fill it out. So instead, they're just giving us the rest of the year. They, they always, in their PR, will say the launch window contains game XYZ. They did not do that. In fact... The lack of PR and the lack of a solid lineup makes it even more confusing. Nintendo keeps tweeting out these images of a lineup, like the sample of the lineup, and the games keep switching around. Sometimes there's a game there that's not there before. Sometimes Binding of Isaac pops up as a launch tile, which is now confirmed, but then something else will disappear. Like it's, it's weird, and I think it sort of shows that there is like, you know, there's only a few games at launch. We have a couple more in March, like a bit of a trickle. We have like Fast Racing Neo Remix, which is called Fast Remix, actually. That sort of thing. And then there's going to be a smattering of third-party games throughout the rest of the year. So it is kind of light. Uh, admittedly, right after the presentation, I think I was pretty disappointed by that. Like, you would think there'd be more games, more AAA games perhaps. Even with Nintendo saying A games are in development, it didn't really feel like that, especially from third parties. Like, I don't know. I, did you get that impression too? Or you just kind of, this seems light? Yeah, because I mean... I feel like you could have all the AAA games in one hand. I mean, games that I guess we would consider AAA. Like third party. And even then, like, I feel like I can't even really fully consider Skyrim because that's an old game. Yeah. Can't really consider Mario Kart because that's an old game. Splatoon, I mean, that's a sequel, but it looks so similar to Splatoon 1. Yeah. That I honestly, as I was saying that sentence, I forgot it was a sequel and I was about (laughs) to count. And I was going to say Splatoon because that's basically the same game. Well, yeah. Which is very unfair to say, but. And then, yeah, and then there's also, like, if you look at some of the other stuff, it's a lot of ports. Like, we're getting a Skylanders from last October. We're getting a Just Dance from last November. We're getting Steep from whenever it came out. We're getting Rayman Legends, which has been out for years. It it just feels like there's not a whole lot of new AAA games. But I feel like a few things have happened. Well, I mean, Nintendo would just 
continue talking to Gearbox, we could have had maybe one more. But... Yeah, but no, they had to drop it off because they had their crazy demographic scheme that may or may not work. But um, I like to think it'll work. I really do, but who knows? But uh, yeah, I, I do think feel like a few things have happened in the time since the presentation, though. Um, one is the realization that if you look at Nintendo's lineup specifically, it's actually a lot of big-name stuff in a single year, if you think about it. I mean, we're getting a new Zelda, a new 3D Mario, a new Splatoon, not a remake um a remake of mario kart at least two new ips three new ips if you count snipper clips um on eShop, a fire emblem spinoff and supposedly xenoblade 2 all within nine months of each other that kind of blows the wii u out of the water it took years for that amount of content to come to wii u and we're not even counting the other announcements to come we haven't yet seen the uh, rumored pokemon we haven't yet seen what retro is working on we don't know what what's up with the uh, rumored smash bros they could all be at E3. There could be a whole second wave we all know about. We already have like nine games coming from Nintendo themselves. We have a announced Fire Emblem, but that's all we have. Just yeah, a name. just literally a name. And the thing is, if they want... If they were to... I kind of get why we're having this happen. Because if they were to show every major thing at the presentation, like up front at the presentation, E3 would amount to, here they are again. Check, check it out. We do need some buzz building. Exactly. Thing. Headlines are going to be take, stolen away from the Switch as go like Nintendo doesn't have momentum. Because momentum, to me, and I think in general, is just as much about what games are available as what's coming next. You want the hype to sustain. So we, we need a lot of potential energy. Yeah. So yeah. So, <laughs> so in order to do that, we now need things at E3, which is why we only got really a rough blueprint of what's happening in 2017. We know what's coming up to E3. We know what's coming later in the year. We don't know what's filling in the gap necessarily between some of those later in the year tiles, and I think that's where E3 is going to come in. And Reggie has certainly been hinting that there's more to come. He, uh, without any direct prompting, in a GameSpot interview, brought up both Mother 3 and Metroid on his own and said, quote, talk to me in a year, and let's look back and see what happened. I mean, come on. Reggie, I know you like wearing pins that suggest Metroid's coming when it's not. I know you like being like, oh, we hear the fans, and we're responding, I swear. But to actually give a time frame and say, check back in a year, that that's pretty... That seems like a pretty big hint. He also has name-dropped Smash Bros. twice in two separate interviews with two separate publications. He was talking about online services on Switch, and he name-dropped it with Time and with CNET. You don't name-drop an online game when talking about your online service unless that online game is on that online service. You don't see Microsoft going around and being like, Hey, so the great thing about Windows 10 is we have more processing power for Clippy. Because Clippy's not a thing anymore, so you don't bring it up. Like, but the fact that he brings up Smash Bros. implies, to me at least, confirmation is coming sooner rather than later. He also referenced the idea of a GameCube Virtual Console, again, without even being asked about Virtual Console, or GameCube for that matter, And uh, in that same time interview. And you have to wonder, A, is it happening, as rumored, and B, how's that going to work? Well, it only has digital shoulder buttons. We know people want yeah. it. It only has digital shoulder buttons, though. GameCube had analog. Well, there's supposed buttons. to be like a rumor. I remember it was rumor all time ago. We talked that, about it. Yeah, yeah, that it was that, supposed to have analog, but no. I mean, I was thinking about that too. Like, what, like, how bad would it affect some games? And not much. I mean, obviously, Smash Brothers went through that transition. True, like, and maybe. it lived to tell the tale. Yeah, the only one that I could feel like Mars Sunshine doesn't really need them. The only times you do ever use them, I guess, is if you want to be running and squirting water at the same time. Right. Which you won't be able to do because the moment you press it all the way down, he just stops moving. Yeah. But in theory, you could kind of jump and squirt, jump and squirt. and Or, in theory, they could remap them because I'm now realizing there are two shoulder buttons on the Switch. 
There's the one on the Joy-Con and the one a, on the back. There can be a light and a medium. That's true, because now yeah. there's more buttons to work with. Yeah, so I guess it's a moot point, but... Not only that, but I don't... Did you use the the C-stick for anything and all oh, the camera? And Mars yeah, it was the camera. It was, it was the camera that Miyamoto called out as not being good in, in Treehouse Live. Oh, like I was going to say, like, oh, what if that's like a pressure sensor? You get to like, move the other analog oh, up and down. So you're, you're so basically just... dual wielding, dual sticking a uh, Mario, water. Uh, the flood. Oh, that'd be kind of cool. <laughs> you walk really in one cool. direction I'd and the other cool one in a different that. direction. Flood is shooting and how far you tilt it is. At, that, like, at that point, though, it's not a virtual console game. It's an HD remake. <laughs> like, let's yeah. be honest. I, I would happily take an HD remake of uh, Sunshine. Just I feel like it'd make it too easy, but it would. It would. You I mean, have, they'd well, have to. The that's why it'd have to be a remake. They'd have to spruce yeah. up how people interact with, like enemies interact with it as a result. <laughs> enemies are now way more mobile because yeah. you have way more control. Enemies run really fast now, <laughs> but um, but yeah, honestly, like between what we know is coming from Nintendo, to go back to the line for a sec, between what we know is coming to Nintendo and what Reggie's hinting at with Metroid, Mother, Smash Bros, GameCube Virtual Console, I am very confident in my one game a month prediction from last episode. As you may recall, I said, with the exception of maybe a month or two break, we are going to have a game every single month on Switch this year. That was my big prediction. And I we're getting it. In March, we have Zelda 1-2 Switch and Snipper Clips. In April, we have Mario 8 Deluxe. In spring, which is probably May, we have ARMS. Uh, summer, which could either be June or August, we're going to have Splatoon 2. Uh, Fire Emblem Warriors at some point this fall, supposedly. Uh, same with Xenoblade 2, some point before the end of the year. So... Let's say, I don't know, September, October for that. So really, and then, oh, and of course we have Mario Odyssey during the holidays, so the big November release. So as long as Nintendo announces one or two more games at E3, they will hit my quota of a game a month with the one-month gap. And Reggie's sort of back that they're doing something like this to GameSpot when he said that they uh, Nintendo is going to have a, quote, regular cadence of critical launches specifically to avoid the gaps the Wii U had. So regular cadence of critical launches where they're already almost filling out the entire calendar year sounds like with one or two announcements a game a month is a thing that can happen and that is cool because a i'm gonna brag and i called it and b that means we have a lot of content to play if third parties aren't stepping up with triple a games nintendo will step up with triple a games so hmm. yeah and and actually this sets the stage rather nicely because i just riled off every game nintendo announced this sets the stage rather nicely to discuss each of nintendo's big first party games a bit more in depth which i think is kind of the final chapter of this episode so um what yeah, do you mean like more in depth? Oh. I mean, last time we had, I mean, just because we're gonna have a more steady stream of content. No, no, no I'm saying we could talk about it now more in depth. Oh, gotcha. You and I here yeah. could talk more in depth because I just I literally ran the gauntlet of every game Nintendo announced for the Switch. Oh, yeah. Again, as a refresher, we got Zelda One Two Switch, uh, Snipper Clips, Mario Kart Eight, Arms, Splatoon Two, Fire Emblem Warriors, Xenoblade Two, Mario Odyssey. That's what we know so far. There could be more. So I feel like we should start with the Joy-Cons kind of sort of flagship game, 1-2-Switch. Because, man, I have, I'm very conflicted on this one. Like, watching the Treehouse... Did you watch the Treehouse Live segment on 1-2-Switch? Yes. It looks so fun if you're with a good group of friends. Like, it's, it shows what the Joy-Con does well, and it looks like they're just having a ball. Like, I could see this being the, like, perfect drinking game, honestly. But... At the same time, I also cannot see how it costs $50 at all. Like, you get 20-plus minigames. Only two of them have any single-player support whatsoever, supposedly. Um, the minigames are really brief. They're like 30 seconds tops. It's always the same it task when you play the screen, them. So yeah, it barely kinda... uses the screen. 
it always has you do the same task when you play the minigames. It's not like there's variety. It's not like Mario Party where things will unfold differently. It's literally one rote task per minigame. I mean, just use the $49.99 ratio. It doesn't Makes sense. look like a game with the same budget. I don't know the end that cost. Yeah, that would warrant yeah, exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. It feels like it should be bundled with the Joy-Con. It feels like it should be Wii Play, in my opinion. And actually, you know what? No, even better. It feels like it should be a $15 eShop game. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean thirty. I mean I feel like thirty is really you pay thirty for that. Well, I mean you you can pay fifty for that. No, <laughs> but but you are. Uh, aren't you getting it? I don't know. I might wait for a discount Price drop. or something. Yes, but see, here's the thing. Both of us, or at least I, and I don't know how much you agreed with what I said, but it looks really fun. It looks like it could be a big a big fun thing to play when everyone's over at your house here. But I not mean, for fifty dollars. Yeah. Like if Nintendo put with a fifty dollars for the privilege of showing off what the your cow milking jo- skills, what the Joy Cons can do, I guess. Yeah. To people but that like, want to know, like, whoa, what's that? That doesn't look like the Wii U. Yeah, like that's not. Oh, that's well, not... let me show you. <laughs> have you ever milked a cow before? <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> have you? Have you? Well, you still won't. You still. <laughs> God, the 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 stream of no pun intended here. Stream because cow milk. Anyway, the stream of the treehouse guys playing that cow milking game and the stuff they're saying while playing it. It was like uh, meme central. But uh, yeah, what I was gonna say is like that's the thing is like for fifty dollars you don't see the appeal of that. But if it was cheaper or came with a uh, we play style bundle, then it could actually be a legit hit. I think. I think because it actually looks really fun and better yet i know reggie was saying in interviews they don't want to bundle games with the switch because they made it 300 dollars because that's what the hardware itself is worth and if they bundle a game they have to raise the price but to be honest like can't you just bite the bullet on one two switch there's no way that thing costs a lot of money to make like look at it no offense to the developers i i know it was somewhat like a stylistic choice but really like you could bite the bullet on one two switch and throw it in the box like it's I okay I think just the fact that they have models as opposed to just generic me's or some character that they actually have to create from scratch yeah. for the title cards or whatever. I mean, that's already even more saving. I don't know. You know what's weird about that one? That is not going to age well. You that's could... going to be like those early 90s full motion video games where you look back at it 10 years later like, oh, God. Like, anytime you put real video in a video game, that video game is suddenly dated. Like, I'm pretty sure if you wanted to, you could replicate all those title cards and hardly even make them better. If you could, me? Yeah, you can't. Oh, that's asking a lot of me. I probably could, but that's asking a lot of me. Really? You, you, you can't put milking in a picture of a generic cow? Oh, I can do that. Cow? I thought you were talking about like, the quick draw and stuff where there's like... Actually, they're all pretty bad, yeah. They're all pretty... Which begs the question, which begs the question, why is this thing not a WarioWare title? <laughs> like, it's basically the equivalent. It's being directed by a guy who made WarioWare. I think they're trying to... I don't make it more inclusive to people. Yeah, that's or, or not theory. as scary. Like, oh, people, I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. No, that, that that's a very. Supposed to warrior where it definitely looks. I mean, it looks fun and quirky, but sometimes it looks a little too outlandish for its own good. Where it's like, oh, I don't know if I like that. Or, I don't know. I mean, no, that's a fair I, point. I'm trying to put myself in the perspective of like a very casual person. That's a fair. I feel point. like this would be way more appealing. Like, I mean, I know, like. My sister and her friends would like love this kind of thing. Like, oh, that it, yeah. it just literally looks like a a cheesy party game. Like that's just what the art tells me, or whatever. But I feel like, yeah, I get. You know what? You know what's missing? I mean, first of all, the the wireware thing. What you said is actually identical to. What, but it does um, have the bargain bin look too. Yeah, so yeah that's what I was really gonna say. Yeah. Because the thing is, you you raise a very good point about like it's more appealing to people. Because yeah, I guess you would want to play quick draw with a real cowboy on the screen versus the the dog and cat mechanic from WarioWare where you'd be like, what? I mean, also just look but, at the covers. Like, Game & Wario, you just have 
Mario's mustache and watch and, 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 yeah. and, and, and the throwback logo to the Game and Watch, which many people might not even like get that reference. That was more of a gamery game, yeah. Yeah, they'll, they'll see Wario's mustache and be what? Like, what is this game and Wario? Who's Wario? But I mean, they could <laughs> one two. Sw- yeah, I guess. I mean, one two switch. I mean. I, the I box guess, is I, I, you, you can't really yeah. get anything off the title and by the way this is a lot um i was reading an arc lock trying tiny cartridge and they basically said everything you just said like it's like oh they're going after the blue ocean again and you need relatable characters and people get people in cowboy hats they don't get jimmy t so yeah. or nine volt but but i guess on the other hand it's like where's the you're saying it's a fun party game but where's the theming it doesn't even make it seem like a party game i mean it kind of does it's a costume party it's a costume party i guess but like i don't i don't know I mean, it is, but like, the counting balls, stopping samurai swords. It's the kids' party. Yeah, stopping samurai swords and like milking cows, which and eating sandwiches and opening safes. It's a hardcore D and D session. It's like, <laughs> but it's just like I don't know. It's oddly specific these individual games, and yet there's no overarching theme for it to be totally mainstream. Like, how many people are going to be watching footage and be like, "Oh, that dude milked a cow and cracked a safe. That's my game right there." Like, I don't. Like WarioWare, the aesthetic was. <laughs> I mean, what do you want to call it? Like Switch Party? No, I honestly, possibly, or caught. I don't know, but it just seems like they're missing. A, there's a piece of it missing. They should have the word party in it. Yes, it's missing the word party, and yeah, it's missing the word party. That's basically it. Because right now you're like, what? Like I don't know why, how I would pitch this to someone. I mean, even. unless every single game literally starts with that countdown one. Two. It doesn't. Switch. We know it doesn't. I know. We yeah, saw it that's in the like, It literally doesn't. Yeah, Instead, they, they have no reason. Commercial videos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which again, I see that's the aesthetic they're going for, but that aesthetic tells you nothing except look. They're just like you, like you said. Like it's missing something. It's basically a hodgepodge of tech demos right now. They're loosely strung together by some treehouse people on video playing it in front of you, but yet you're not supposed to look at the screen. So hmm. I don't know. That one's weird. I want to play it. It is going to be amazing to, like I said, as a drinking game, but. But, 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 there's no way this thing's going to sell as well as Nintendo hopes unless they, like, rethink it's, uh, so the strategy of how they're selling it. That's my take. Now, what I actually think is a possibly better use of the Joy-Cons and better demonstration of what the Joy-Cons can do is Nintendo's other new IP that was revealed, ARMS. So, ARMS, this is how I think I summed it up to you on the phone right after the presentation where we were talking about it. It's Punch-Out 2.0 mixed with Super Monkey Ball's Monkey Fight, yet with the depth of a real fighting game. I feel like it's more just Monkey Fight, because Punch-Out is just a puzzle game. That's true. Punch-Out's a puzzle game disguised as, as a, a fighting yeah, game. There's However, no... there's enough similarity that I will I will call it now. Lil Mac is either going to be a playable character or a final boss in ARMS. One of the two. Probably a playable. Probably unlockable. Maybe a DLC character. But he will... Somehow, Lil Mac will end up in that game. And his arms will somehow suddenly detach from his body like the other characters. But I feel like he'll make a non-playable cameo. You think? Yeah, and like just be like in the crowd somewhere. But I don't think he's going to be playable. Interesting. Do you want to make a deal? A bet? Sure. I lost the monster. Well, I didn't yet. So Monster Hunter, our last bet was Monster Hunter XX Double Cross coming to Switch on March 17th when it launches on the other system. Or March 14th. Now, it was in a German database of games at GameStop. Mm -hmm. It was not at the Switch presentation, but it could still happen. So that bet's still pending. But But you did lose the TARDIS one, so I'm one for one right now. The TARDIS one? The what? TARDIS. Do- oh, Who? oh, right, yeah. Where I thought Tardis was the robot and not the the phone book. Keep in mind, the phone. Neither of us watched Doctor Who, but yeah, which is why the phone booth, not phone yeah. book. All right, so how much are we paying on the line that Lil Mac will be playable versus just visible? 
I don't know. Both. A copy of one two switch. <laughs> the same as we're putting for the Monster Hunter one. What was that? Buck five bucks. Yeah, it was just a buck. All right, all right. We've shaken on it. No one can see it, but we've shaken on it. Well, anyway, so arms. Yeah, I. I started to say it feels like it does it does better justice for the Joy-Con, and really like. It captures every single use that One Two Switch does, with the exception of the IR motion camera, which is only used in one game in One Two Switch. Uh, yet it's so much more cohesive in how it does it. Like if you look at arms, you know, just look down at your torso and you'll see arms. But if you look at arms, you control the game with the tilts of the Joy-Con. You use each hand, you hold one on each hand like you're boxing. You punch at different angles to mimic that sort of degree of or that angle in the game when punching. It uses the HD rumble to really make it feel like your hand is going like there's the detached arm shooting out of the controller. Like, it feels like there's a rushing coming out of it or some sort of unraveling happening, just like the characters. Like, that, to me, is a much better pitch of what the Joy-Con can do than one two switch going, hey, check out these videos of some interns playing these games and then do it yourself. And by the way, this one, you're pretending you're eating. This one, there's a cow. Just try it. Trust us. Like, ARMS seems like the much better of the two. They're both going to be fun, but ARMS seems like it's actually going to sell Joy-Cons. Well, once you switch, seems like it's for people who have Joy-Cons and don't know what to do with them, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and beyond the Joy-Cons, though, like, I, I I feel like ARMS is a surprisingly full-fledged, deep fighting game. I mean, you could probably touch this, touch on this more than I can because you are a fighting game fanatic, but, like, does, Ar- does ARMS have potential to be more than just a casual oh, yeah, flail I mean, fest? It has all the basics that you would need for any competitive fighting game. I mean, you have... I mean, well, you have movement, you have blocks, grabs, and attacks. And, and it has and, the whole, like, and they, yeah, the rock, and, paper, scissors. Yeah, and, and, and they follow that mechanic. Yeah, attack speed, grabs, grabs speed, blocking, blocking beats, attacks. And on top of that, you have your dashes. And on top of that, you have different kinds of gloves that you could customize. And they've said that the full game will have many more gloves to switch between. And I mean, yeah, switch. It, it's definitely a whole... It'll definitely have its own little meta game. Like, oh, okay, he's picking with the mummy guy. He only has access to these kinds of gloves, so I have to counter with this kind of glove or stuff like that yeah i think I the three gloves per character thing is actually really interesting it's almost like a mind game too because you need to be like well what's my opponent when yeah. you're playing a friend what's my opponent gonna pick as his gloves and how do i outdo yeah those and, and it's like and it's three rounds so it's like perfect it's almost like pokemon in that sense like you both just pick a starting pair of gloves because you don't know what each of you is going to take mm-hmm. then the next round they're like all right they clearly beat me with this pair are they going to keep the same one because it works so well are they going to change to something that they think i'm going to use to counter right like are they going to counter my counter or am i right, just going right. to switch because they're going to switch blah 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 and you know what's funny is none of this was apparent at all in the reveal at the presentation no at the reveal it, it looked like the most shallow it looked like it was just boring. like it looked like we boxing it but like boxing. with a prettier like paint job i encourage everyone listening if you have not done so we link to it on the blog post for this episode go watch the 30 minute yes 30 minute treehouse live video in its entirety and you will be sold on the game guaranteed like it looks really fun it looks very nintendo-y it's kind of like i could it feels like it's cut from a similar cloth as splatoon in terms of like this like modern era of nintendo style. yeah it's like it's a it's, fighting game but it's not like any fighting yeah game it's super cool like i'm really excited for it. over like, the shoulder fighting game that's pretty cool I can't help but wonder, though, do you think the fact that it was so it's simplistic like, in its initial... Like, the, it looks so simplistic at face value, it could actually be detrimental to the thing? Like, not everyone's going to watch a 30-minute Treehouse video. Like, I most fighting like games, I you understand like it, I feel it like it's more. almost no different than Smash Bros. Because, I mean, that game wasn't really designed as a competitive fighting game, That's and true. it's super simplistic. It's just, like, it's just King of the Hill. Right. But people discovered a whole meta around it and turned it into what it is today. And I think it's cool that Nintendo, whenever they bring out their own fighting games... They're clearly fighting games, but they have such a crazy twist on them that they almost mm-hmm. don't look like fighting games. But you have to remind yourself that they are. Because, I mean, yeah. this clearly is, but it's 
but it's not. Yeah, it is, but it isn't. Yeah. I, I and with Smash think, Brothers, yeah. I honestly think ARMS would have made for a great launch title versus mm-hmm. a spring release. Because, like, it's sort of like Excite Truck in that I'm sure it will sell really well if you were buying a console and ARMS at the same time. But I don't know how many people, because it's a new IP, because it looks kind of simplistic. I don't know, although in the long run that might not matter, but I don't know how many people are going to buy a Switch, not watch a 30-minute Treehouse Live video and go, I don't know about that. I don't think I'm going to get it. I don't know this, if, if it were 60 bucks. Just throw yeah, my versus, out, yeah, and I have to go to the store and get it, or I have to go find it on the eShop and get it, versus they're there already buying the Switch, and there's ARMS, and they promote it as like great use of the Joy-Con. While you pick up your Switch, you should get this game that works well with the controller. That's an easier sell. That's why Excitetruck did so much better than Excitebots, I think, because Excitetruck's like, oh, you steal with the controller. And it's right here next to your Wii when you buy it. And Excitebots is like, hey, remember that thing from those years ago that you've now done like a dozen times? You could build a sandwich while racing. You want to come back and buy it? And it did not sell mm-hmm. well. So I, f- I feel like it's still probably going to do fine. It's probably going to be similar to – it could potentially be similar to Splatoon and its ramp up of popularity. But I feel like it would have been much more guaranteed success if they did it day and day with the Switch. It feels like a launch. It feels like a game that would be perfect to go with your Switch purchase. Not to wait three months and then remember to go buy, unless you're really on top of it like we are. Mm-hmm. Although, to be devil's advocate to my own point, if Nintendo's targeting the Nintendo fan demographic, as we have discussed they are, those fans will know to go get arms. So I guess it works out either way. But just just food for thought. Um, one game I'm positive is going to be a hit, though, at least a sleeper hit, and it's going to sell on word of mouth alone, is Snipper Clips. Snipper Clips. It's also <laughs> extremely fun to say. Snipper Clips. So, Snipperclips is, is, excuse me, is, um, I like laughed and then coughed because it's just, I have so much excitement for Snipperclips that my body just doesn't know how to react. But so Snipperclips is an eShop only game coming in March. It is going to be 20 bucks and it looks awesome. Basically, I, I, do you want to explain the premise? Should I explain the premise? It's kind of a weird premise. I don't even know how to explain it. It's like two, so, your two shapes and you overlap each other to form different shapes and achieve goals and tasks <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so the, uh, to add an extra wrinkle of that so you're two shapes and when you overlap you can cut out each other so if you're one shape you're you start as half circles and then i can overlap with you and the part that overlaps that's a different color than each of us you then press a and whoever presses a will cut out on the other person and you cut each other out to form yourself into new shapes so they can do things carry a pencil to be sharpened hit a basketball to a hoop pop balloons by turning yourself into a needle um Fill in empty shapes by making your bodies the right shape so when you both go into it, it forms a heart or whatever. It is extremely hard to describe, and much like ARMS, it's a game you need to see in action to appreciate. But when you see it in action, you will potentially be like, this is the best thing the Switch has that's not called Zelda. And it's only 15 bucks. 20. 20. It's only 20 bucks. Yeah. But yeah, like, I'm legitimately weirdly strongly excited for this game like <laughs> it's about 15 bucks if you get it to the best buy i guess you, well it's an eShop game only it's technically 15 bucks if, if you buy an eShop card through oh wait they don't give you the discount for best nope. buy it's 20 dollars people just yeah. accept this yeah, 20 <laughs> <laughs> just just don't listen to angel it's 20 dollars <laughs> but no it looks really cool and, and if i, the, if I <laughs> give you five bucks if Angel personally comes to your house with a $5 bill, it will be $15 for you. But, uh, yeah, the, the cool thing about Snipper Clips, besides the fact that it's just, like, it's this really charming game. I love the personality. The eyes on the characters are so expressive. Um, it just looks really fun, and it also factors into that whole local multiplayer co-op thing Nintendo's trying for with the Switch, because it's two-player, it's four-player. There is a single-player, but it seems like it's more made for co-op. 
Um, but one cool thing about Snipper Clips that kind of went under the radar is it's not initially a Nintendo game. So back in 2015, a company called SFB Games was showing off a game called Friend Shapes, which I'd argue is actually not as fun of a name to say, but a better descriptor of what it is, um, at some game conference. They were in a corner, they had a little game, and this guy from Bleeding Cool, the comic book news site, went and played it. And then he sees Snipper Clips a year and a half later, and he's like, wait a minute, I've played that before. And it turns out what happened is Nintendo actually went, saw this game, talked to SFP, I mean SFB. Hmm, take said, down your booth right now. And, no, 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 no. More like, well, maybe. Well, because they wanted okay, to. Yeah, yeah, not because for copyright infringement. But yeah, they went to them and said, hey, we want to work with you on this. We like this a lot. We want to bring it to our system. So they added some Nintendo Spit and Shine. Nintendo developers are influencing it. It's still SFB that's making it. But we haven't seen this sort of like collaborative thing with an indie from Nintendo since I think the WiiWare days. Usually they just make it themselves or give it to an existing second party. But for them to go out, find something like Snipper Clips, make it feel that at home on Nintendo system, which is it really feels like a first party game, but it's not. And then put that on the eShop. That is very reminiscent of what they used to do with WiiWare. And it's really cool to see them start doing it again. It gives me a lot of hope that we're going to get a lot of crazy, weird little games for Switch along with, you know, the stuff we usually expect from Nintendo. So that is cool and really there's not a whole lot to say about snipper clips except you if you people listening do not watch that video and then go buy the game i question if you should even own a switch because this thing like this feels like the game that every we uh, every switch owner should own not because it demonstrates what the switch does just because it looks that good it's so innocent it's, it's so cool. innocent it's so it's so great so so that and arms and one two switch are really the new ips for um that are coming to the Switch, at least at this point. On the other end of the spectrum, though, we've got Nintendo's biggest franchises also on Switch, just left and right. So I think probably the biggest jaw-dropper from the presentation and the one that followed closely by the Breath of the Wild trailer, to be clear. But my biggest jaw-dropper, and I don't know what your take on it was, but Mario Odyssey. Man, Super Mario Odyssey looks great. Like... Yes. Yeah, you made a you made a th- you made a comment to me after the trailer about like you, you, what was it something like the last time you felt that way about a game tra- or last time a trailer blew you away that much was like Brawl or something what was it? I don't remember. But... It makes it kind of like there's very few trailers where you are instantly like this is amazing, but Mario or I don't remember exactly what you said. Basically, mm. you haven't been that blown away by a trailer since, trailer since Brawl. I think was the takeaway. Yeah, well, not me. Put words in your mouth. I just remember you saying something like this. That sounds right. Cause I mean, no, I mean, I, I know, I know, I know what it. I know, you know that you I, said it. I, I know, know that I, I tell said. you something like that, but I don't remember exactly what it said. Yeah. But yeah, just cause for the most part, I feel like most games end up being kind of what I expect, or yeah, they usually end up being yeah, kind of what I expect, or they don't really end up like impressing me too much. Like uh-huh. Splatoon was really cool when when they first announced it, but I don't know. It still kind of felt underwhelming because I, I think I understood the concept. Almost right away, it's like, okay, it's just paintball, and you're just kind of there watching the rest of the trailer going, like, all right, it's cool, that's another way to paint people. Right, but Mario was such a but, new... Yeah, like, I guess that one, I don't, yeah, you just don't see something's coming. Like, I never thought they would ever put Mario with proportioned people. So that... It's Sonic 06 all over again. <laughs> Not really. I, I, I always forget that Sonic 06 did that. I went straight to Adventure, but that's just because that's the one that's that That's because your mind erased the horrible. What? I just never played that uh, game. Or that. I mean... Yeah. Yeah. As long as Mario doesn't kiss a human girl, we're good. I mean, I guess Peach, but... I mean, Peach is, she is more human. proportioned. That's true, but she's still Mushroom no. Kingdom cartoon person. Yeah. But yeah, it, like... Yeah, it was, yeah, a, it I was never surprising. Thought, it was definitely I one never, of those, like, whoa, and then the music was great. And I never thought New Donk City would be a thing. Not not the name New Donk City, but the cause of the Mario running around New York. Like, first of all, 
I don't know how closely you watched that trailer, but New Donk City has so many Donkey Kong references. I mean, first of all, Donk is for Donkey Kong. Second of all, they have Donkey Kong girders all over the city. I don't know if you noticed that. Like, from the original 1981 Donkey Kong. Third so, of all... So I mean, they're just red. <laughs> they're re- No, but they have a certain pattern to them. The... Yeah, they're just red. Uh, third of all, when he jump when that cab goes by right before he jumps out of the, the manhole cover, it says nineteen eighty one on the license plate, year of Donkey Kong and, and Mario, then Jumpman's debut. Man, and there's like a Dixie and Diddy stuff. There's a Dixie Street, there's a Diddy Mart, there's a Cruel Street, a Ramby Street, an Espresso Street, a Cranky Street. They are this I this is the first time I think Donkey Kong Country has crossed directly into Mario like this. Even if it's just street names and little winks and nudges, still, they've brought Donkey Kong, they brought Diddy Kong. Funky and Cranky, I think, were playable in, like, Mario Kart Wii, but they've never done it quite to this, like, Donkey Kong Country, Mario, same world, boom, quite like this, so. Yeah, it is kind of weird that of all the things to name it after, it's called, it's named New after Donk. Donkey Kong, like, I don't know. It... Well, because I think they're riffing on New York as four characters in N's and K. New Donk, New York. Now, original, I honestly, when I first saw it, I thought it was New Dork City, <laughs> which I kind of would have preferred, but then I'd feel welcome. But, uh, yeah, I, I, it's a yeah. weird name. It's really fun to say. Not as fun as Sniffer Clips, but close second, New Donk City. But it just guess, sounds ridiculous. Yeah, I think with Donkey Kong, like a founding father or something. I guess he, he was. I guess he, he was. That's the, I think that's the city Donkey Kong set in. Wait. Whoa. Hold up. Wait. Donkey Kong is on the top of a skyscraper made of girders in Donkey Kong Arcade in 1981. This city has girders and skyscrapers. This could be his city. This could be where Donkey Kong's originally set. And I don't know why it would be named after him. I mean, it's like we renamed New York to New Kong City when King Kong stormed the Empire State Building, even though that was fictional on Britannia Trio. But, um, I, yeah, that's the city from Donkey Kong. It just hit me. And they're honoring his animal buddies. Maybe he became mayor. I don't know. <laughs> but regardless, uh, it's cool how much fan service there is. Between that, between Mario carrying the vegetable, like the tu- uh, the turnip Mario 2 style in the vegetable world, uh, it- it's cool to see him doing little nods to pass Mario. But more of the point, I'm just excited for a return to like this kind of open sandbox Mario game again. Mimo was saying on Trios Live that it's really purposefully a return to the core, quote-unquote, Mario experiences that we saw with Sunshine and with uh, Mario 64, right down to them addressing camera issues that people had with sunshine for this one like they're just going back and picking up where they left off which is kind of neat um it also matches up very well with that whole wired thing about how nintendo's making in many ways the switch for current nintendo fans as a prime demographic what do they want they like 64 and sunshine what do we do 64 and sunshine sort of so it it's cool it's cool i'm, I'm excited for it. i also think the globe trying concept is pretty interesting it lets them play around a lot more than even the little mini planet planetoid thing yeah data with galaxy um also a lot of variety that low polygon fruit world that that redwood forest situation with the vine that um i can't think what else there's just there's a lot going on in that and there was a desert but it also had ice in it um, oh yeah there's the desert there's the freaking lion from uh, that was freaking if anyone misheard the lion from super mario land that i think is what he's writing i mean it looks i similar. think it looks pretty similar the face might be different but it's close enough and it's in a desert like, it's, it's super cool. I'm excited. I'm really excited. And according to Nintendo's Japanese Switch stream, the game is practically done. And Reggie has said it is going to be playable at E3. So it's a timing thing more than anything else, which almost falls back into the whole, like, Nintendo actively tell Borderlands don't come to Switch. <laughs> like, it, they are timing things strategically. So 
it is basically done. I'm really excited to see more. I'm pretty I like sure. I think that after um, Gearbox gave that comment, they went back and then they're like, oh, we got a message from Nintendo on our email. Oh, it's in our spam folder. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> but um, no, what I was going to say is uh, I'm pretty sure Nintendo, I think Nintendo slightly misled us with the trailer. Not intentionally, maybe intentionally. But if you look when they show Mario jumping from the very top of the building in New Donk City, that's just one level or one world. I don't think we're going to see that many, that many cities. I think each one's going to be totally, thought it was totally different. More than one? What? People thought it was or more no, than one city? Or no, not more than one. Not more than one city, but you'd be returning frequently, perhaps. But it's just a single level. Oh, yeah. I mean... I thought... I'm not sure how many people thought what, but I'm just oh. saying. When I saw... When they showed the zoom out, I noticed as the edges like Mario 64, where, you know, you went to all these different places, but a lot of levels just sort of were floating in space with... Just, oh yeah, like when they ended that, where they ended. Oh yeah, when they're doing that laundry, you could tell it's like, oh yeah, I'm yeah, not... it's that again. So yeah, so I'm I'm excited. Also, he has a pretty cool little top hat spaceship thing. So yeah. Oh, one thing to note is that is not our Earth. Besides the fact that it's called New Donk City and not New York, the space. The, if you look at the little globe, no continent that resembles ours is anywhere on it. So just saying, just saying. The other big game from the presentation, unless there's anything you want to add about Odyssey, besides that looks amazing. No. Also, graphics are so good. His texture. This I mean, is Bowser first... looks cool with his suit. Oh, yeah, suit. Bowser with his suit. This is the first time Mario's had individual hairs on his head and mustache. Mm-hmm. If you look at the promo art, they perhaps over-HDified him. You can see the skin pores if you zoom in close enough. <laughs> like, it's a little insane. And he has stitching on his clothes. It's nice. It's nice. The other, though, big game from the presentation, which kind of felt like the ultimate mic drop with that end trailer, uh, where they, like, teased out the date. For a really long time over like five or ten minutes of the presentation and then they showed it and it ended with the trailer is of course breath of the wild which zelda breath of the wild which looks great on the switch like we knew it was kind of switch we've seen very briefly footage of it at um on jimmy fallon frankly, we were getting kind of tired of seeing it we we were getting tired of seeing it or, <laughs> or you were getting tired of seeing it. oh I, I became indifferent i was like all well, right well the problem was they kept showing the same uh open field part the uh the great plane well i mean i'm already at that point where like don't show me anything because just let me play it and i'm just it. glad they did one more trailer where they show there's actually a plot to this thing and they show that it has voice acting and it's they... a shame they couldn't wait or yeah it's a shame that they actually, couldn't wait on what? holding off everything until they just had that that trailer. would be cool uh yeah no i kind of prefer that you know what would have been cooler, actually? Because, I mean, the first thing they showed it was, like, oh, here's a plane. Oh, look, it's Interact. Oh, here comes Link. Let's watch what he's doing or whatever. You know what I think would have been even better? Don't what? have a trailer like that. Don't reveal the plot. Don't reveal characters talking. Don't reveal anything. Make that the launch trailer that comes out with the game. So people that want to go in just, like, oh, open world, you discover everything for yourself. Literally discover everything for themselves. And then people who they need to sell it on, day and date, the people that download it based on I want to discover can do it. And the people that want to know well, more I mean, about the game what will I, see the trailer. I mean, ideally, that's what I would want yeah. for every game. Well, yeah. But then yeah. journalists and everyone wouldn't really have much to write about. That's true. That's true. But, not, not that they need to have something to write like about. But I feel like Zelda more so, where they're like, it's open world. You do everything exactly your way, how you want. You discover things how you want in your own. There's going to be an alternate ending. Like, there's multiple endings depending on how you do it. Like, everything's super open. So, in other words, there's so a bunch of just, wrong endings and one No, there's one ending. right and one alternate. There's two. Well, well either way. Whenever there's multiple endings, that just means yeah. that there's... There's a wrong and a right. That yeah. there's ways you could fail even but, when you succeed. But, like, if, <laughs> if it's a game that open, why not just let people discover the secrets? I mean, granted, anyone could go on a blackout about Zelda, but but since I didn't, and now we're going to talk about it. Not anything spoilery, but um, there is voice acting. That's a thing. 
when I was watching the Japanese trailer, I actually thought they were talking in, like, during the presentation, I actually thought they were talking in Hylian, not Japanese. <laughs> and then when I later watched the English trailer, I was like, wow, this does not sound as good. Like, I preferred the, the Hylian, which was not actually Hylian. But but the game looks gorgeous. Like, I don't know if you've seen those comparison videos where they're showing side by side, but the draw distance and the texture up res for the Switch one is really nice. Like, it's kind of like going from PS4 to PS4 Pro in terms of that sort of leap where it's not like night and day but it's noticeably better yeah it's definitely like um monster hunter on 3ds versus new 3ds yeah Yeah. and we also learned uh differences in two versions so the switch version if you're playing on your tv will be at 900p uh 30 frames per second and 720p when you're playing on the tablet if you're on the wii u you are stuck at 720p at 30 frames per second regardless of if you're on the tv you're playing on the well the gamepad's not even it's sub hd but yeah and the Switch also has, I'm just going to quote this because this is higher quality environmental sounds. As a result, the sounds of steps, water, grass, etc. are more realistic and enhance the game's open air feel. So now you know. There's really no comment to make on that except, cool, your steps are going to sound more like steps, I guess. But but the big news, so I, they're not, I don't want to go too much into speculating about Zelda because I'm actually starting to get to the point where I'm not wanting any spoilers or anything besides knowing that zoras look awesome now with giant fish heads <laughs> like i don't know what's going on with their head where there's an entire fish on their head but it's pretty great and the gorons look great but i don't want to know like a sort of like oh well this this master sword reference over here clearly indicates this over there or whatever i'm gonna experience it for myself or never experience it because i don't beat my games one of the two but the big news is probably the physical stuff coming out around breath of the wild so first two new amiibo there's a uh bacoblin and there's the redesigned or the newly revealed design for Princess Zelda. We don't know what these amiibo do yet, as far as I know. We know what the older amiibo do for Zelda. They will give you different items that fall from the sky, like you can just have meat rain down on you and fish. But we don't know what these ones do just yet, outside of Wolf Link, which is going to be sold separately starting next month, uh, being a companion that can walk with you. That's all we know. But more significant than those, and so much cooler, are for the first time special editions of a Zelda game. So Breath of the Wild is getting two special editions. We Which already means Nintendo's full-on embraced um, special yeah. editions. I mean, they, they've definitely they've done them before. Yeah, they've done them with all the other Zelda remakes, but there's they the one. Did? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. Majora's Every Mask. Had it. Oh wow, this is not first Majora's thing. Mask. Yeah. Um, Wind right. Waker, Twilight Princess. To a I forgot. Extent. I forgot about that. Well, Twilight Princess just came with the amiibo. Yeah, but I mean, but it was right. still Majora's a special had, box and right. everything. I totally forgot. Um, even Skyward Sword came with the Wii mode and the That's music right. CD. That's right. So this is not new by any means. No. Wow. What is wrong with me? I mean, overall, though, I mean, it's still it shows how much. Yeah, I mean, even um, Super Mario Authors for the Wii you could kind of count as a special edition. Yeah. But this the is probably Kirby, the most. This is the ultimate deluxe pack. This is we're gonna charge. All those were relatively affordable. This is the we're gonna no, charge no, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. But I mean, this is still like entry. their. This still feels like their first like full on like yeah we're going yeah. all out with these special editions like now we they have tiers before it was like yeah. you get this with this one extra thing and that's it. So now there are two tiers. So I'm not waiting for them for Mario Odyssey, which is gonna come. Oh, and they have, dude! And imagine. they obviously have, and they're obviously gonna do one for Smash Brothers in some yeah, way. Yeah. Gonna come with a pro controller or something. Yeah. So, so here's what you get with Zelda. If or you, another game. If you one. guys haven't pre-ordered Zelda yet, I'm sorry to report that the Master Edition is sold out almost everywhere, and it's a one-time run. Almost. So Wait, I, mean just... I don't know if they've gone for pre-sale on every site yet. So oh. the ones I have are sold out. So, yeah, and there's still the special edition. So the special edition. Or maybe that's sold out too. I'm not even sure. But the special edition includes the game, a Sheikah Slate carrying case for the Switch that actually is the full size of the Switch and is kind of cool looking. 
It's a little like over the top. Like I think I'd rather have just a black carrying case. But so boring. I'm very boring. Uh, I'm also the one that's getting the gray switch and not the neon colored one like you. So well, I mean, why don't you just get the neon colored one and just buy gray Joy Cons and there you go, you have both. Or why don't I just buy neon Joy Cons? Or you have both, and it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, it really doesn't matter which one you get. Yep. But I'm getting the gray because I'm. I i do not even know if I'm getting more Joy Cons day and date. I, 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 I don't. I don't see why you would. You in particular. Yeah, because I just come here where you have everything. We're literally in like your gaming lounge currently. But that <laughs> so. is the the better way to say that. Yeah. 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 Also, man cave. <laughs> But I'll call it gaming lounge. Uh, anyway, so you get the Sheikah Slate case. You get you got <laughs> okay. So when I said gaming lounge, she had a huge smile on his face. Like, yeah, that is a better said. That is a man cave, and his smile just like immediately disappeared. And he got real oh, quiet. That wasn't what I was referring to, but uh, gaming lounge garage. No, that's the reason why you don't need to get more. Oh, because I all have friends separate from this group. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> that play games. Yeah, because they said I play here, and I'm like, oh, that yeah. is a better way of. Saying I thought that. you were talking about me calling. Oh this no. Yeah, you're right. It's because I know I'm multiplayer. Well, I mean, yeah, now, now you outed yourself. And you're... It's okay. It's okay. I'm honest with our listeners. Uh, <laughs> they know I don't beat games. I have nothing to hide beyond that. Uh, anyway, so the special edition comes with Sheikah's Lake Carrying Case, a collectible coin of the Sheikah Eye, which I am 99% sure is the one they gave out to us at E3. It is. Yeah. It is. Uh, a Relic of Hyrule, Calamity Ganon, Tapestry, and Weather-Worn Map. I mean, I didn't get one because I didn't go to E3, but I guess now I will. Yeah, and I'll have two. And to top that all off, a copy of a uh, sound selection CD of the soundtrack. So that's all 100 bucks if you want those things. Now, you could do, or you can't because they're sold out, but you could try and do what me and Angel did. And for $30 more, $129, you also get a rather massive Master Sword of Resurrection statue to go with all that other stuff. So this is the most elaborate Nintendo's done for, or Nintendo's gone for something like this. And honestly, like, while I don't need all this stuff piling up around my house, I'm also kind of super excited that they're doing this. Like, it's kind of cool that they're going all in on this stuff. Like, that sword statue looks pretty cool. So, yeah. So that that's Zelda. Um, I don't know if anything else you want to add. Except that, man, what a pain to get that special edition. Good thing I was awake at one twenty in the morning. I am when really went up. happy that it's a single-player game because I am trying to make more of an effort to get my games digital this time around. Specifically, just the multiplayer games. Right. Because it does become a pain to have to switch them out every time. Ah, Switch. Yeah. You know what we should do is every time I always says Switch, we should just have the sound effect ready at any given moment. Just do the click, the snap. No? You're not a fan? Okay, we're not going to do that then. I will say, the marketing for Switch has been so on point. Having that logo with the sound effect, having all the boxes as clean as they are, just that little red logo in the corner, having it... The little PSP-sized boxes. The little PSP-sized boxes. Having um, all the spines be red with the same font on them. Having the simple, you know, if you go to the Switch website, it's extremely clear. They just constantly call it the the console game... The console... Gaming console you can take on the go or something like that. The home console... That can go on. That can be taken on the go. I think that's what it is. But like everything's really clean and clear once you leave out the Joy-Con and all the other stuff that may have muddy. Like they marketing-wise are nailing it. And the commercials that they're already putting out in Europe are like super nice. There's just look, he's playing at home. Look, he's playing on a plane. Look, he's playing on the go. Like all the different modes. It's really well done. That's beside the point, though. Um, what were we talking about? Um, I have nothing else to add about. So besides that, you got the single-player game. Oh right, and the, get, and, oh. And, the, and the marketing. Yeah. You're saying yeah. But So that brings us, in that case, to what comes five weeks after Zelda, which is Mario Kart 8, or, well, an enhanced port, 
port of Mario Kart 8, which is now <laughs> or known... more like what was supposed to be. Yeah, well, it was supposed to be Mario Kart 8, but it's now known as Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Well, the so, way Mario Kart 8 was supposed to be given to us from the exactly from the beginning. So here's what you get with Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. What makes it Deluxe? Well, it comes with all the content from the Wii U original, including all the DLC and free upgrades already on the cartridge. Wow. And but no, it'll also it'll also now support 1080p at 60 frames per second, no matter what you're doing on the TV. It needs to dip, as you recall. On the gamepad, or the tablet, it's a solid 720 at 60 frames. HD Rumble supports added in. There are now double item boxes. But the more important question is, is it still 60 frames when there's two players? On the TV, it will be. That's a pretty big deal. They're saying it's got constant. No matter what you're doing, it will stay at 60 frames. Even with four people? They said no matter what you're doing, it will be I don't 60 know. Frames. I'm feeling really skeptical. I'm because... just telling you what the treehouse said. They said well, it will be a I constant hope so, because 60. I remember it was like... Like, oh, we're going to go with more than two people? Oh, man, it's going to go to 30 frames per second. And, oh, it's no, and what's weird is how noticeable it is. I never notice frame rate, and frame rate never bothers me. Because they were but playing when you're player. playing Mar- no, Yeah, because I know <laughs> friends. No, but I, I never notice frame rate um, in general in games. Like, if someone's like, oh, that's only 30 frames, I'd be like, oh, okay, I guess. But Mario, excuse me, Mario Kart was super noticeable. Maybe because I got used to 60s, so it just felt slower, but it was noticeable yeah so so they're fixing that they're adding the double item boxes as we already knew uh, which means you get two items at any given time new strategies open up from that they are bringing back battle mode confirmed with five different game types mm-hmm. uh, this part just got leaked right before we went to record there are five battle modes within battle mode yeah too bad no elimination for... yes that's the bummer so yeah, across it's at like, least in it's like why bring back balloon mode if it's not elimination like it... battle come on now why not battle <laughs> whatever it doesn't even. It's not even worth wasting my energy on it. I wanted it to be elimination, and it's still a a time base. Everyone is still able to play the whole time because it's about inclusiveness. Yeah, well, but they literally just ruined balloon battle. Balloon they also balloon. kind of by the yeah. So okay, so, so the, four so others. The only one worth, okay, the only one others. that seems worth playing now is just um the Star Shine one, which was pretty fun. Shine I, Thief or shine, sorry, Shine Runners. They renamed yeah. it. Yeah, Shine Runners was really good. Yeah, in, Shine Runner yeah. was good, and Bob on Blast and Bomberman's um. There's two modes I don't recognize. So, mm-hmm. so what happens? Nintendo Poland put out promotional information about Mario Kart 8, I think prematurely, and um, there's five emblems for five different battle modes, including a piranha plant looking thing, and I don't even remember the fifth one. The coin. The coin. Is oh it... well, the coin one they've done before. It's yeah. just the coin collection. The piranha plant probably everyone's just gonna have a piranha plant, and you just have to start munching at each other. Yeah, right? which could be fun. I don't know, but yeah. So that's the new thing. Is there's the new battle mode with it? We currently know of four different battle mode arenas: two new, two remakes. Uh, one's based on Splatoon. One is Luigi's Mansion. One is from the Super Nintendo Battle Mode, and I and the last one is just like a it's like a brand new stadium that has Bowser on one side and Mario on the other. Yeah, giant figures of them, and it it has anti grav in the middle. Yeah, it's like a DNA here. It almost feels too big, but whatever. Yeah, it's a little big. They're all a little big, but um, it is cool that they're integrating Splatoon so much. Like I said, there's a Splatoon map, and also Inklings. Yeah, I mean of all the cars. I mean, I'll, I'll give them that of the two, like, battle versus racing, the battle mode does have a nicer fit for the Splatoon stage. Definitely. But, unfortunately, I feel like that's kind of a waste. Because I feel like in the long run, no matter how good the battle mode is on any given Mario Kart, at one point, everyone I know just kind of ignores it. They only ever go back to, like, once in a blue moon, and after that, it's just pure racing. It's almost yeah. like... You're kind of throwing them to die. It's like, it's cool for a while, but at the end of the day, we're going to want to race instead. Well, this this feels like it was Nintendo responding to criticism that they didn't have a battle mode. I know. That's why it, it's a shame. The bummer is... Because I feel like the stages, the tracks that you race on are like characters in Smash yeah. Brothers. 
that would actually add to the game. If you add more characters, it doesn't really do much in the end. It's just more skins that don't really right. do anything. Right. And I mean, it's cool that Inklings are on there. Obviously, that's cool. But I mean, speaking of new skins that don't really do anything, there's also Dry Bones, uh, Bowser Jr., and King Boo being added. Hmm, so cool. more skins that do nothing. But yeah. It, but it, no, I, I I get what you're saying. I know. Um, it, I mean, too bad we're not getting any new stages. Well, apparently. It, yeah. So it's only gonna be those 48 tracks for now. And what what's interesting is they rather spend their time. Oh, I don't even know who asked for this. Which reminds me, and you know why I feel like Little Mac isn't gonna be in Arms? Because he's a new skin. I don't know. No, because. Um, they don't. Nintendo sometimes likes to not do things that make too much sense, like adding ah, yes. Captain Falcon in Mario Kart. Hmm, that's true. Like you think that'd be like such a given after two stages? Like, oh, he's gonna be in the next wave, and then the nope. next wave just never came. Ah, but he has oh, an but amiibo this... costume. He has an amiibo costume. Oh well, yeah. As but... does Isabel now, and as does the Inklings in yeah. Deluxe. They did. But... They do now, or yeah. they will. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what they're thinking with that. That's a good point, though. But the, the other thing they're adding that I'm like, did anyone need this? Is a driver assist mode for younger kids that are playing. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it auto steers for you, which makes me wonder what the point of playing is. But okay, and it works in 200 CC as well, which maybe that's where it's useful. But uh, all of this kind of brings up the question. So this is a fair amount, but as you point out, battle mode doesn't really have longevity. Yeah, it'd be like so if is... in the Smash Bros. they add no new characters, but a few new stages. I mean, yeah, that doesn't really. So the much. question becomes: Is this enough? Is this enough to get people to spend another sixty dollars? I, being a Nintendo sucker, being a Nintendo whore that I am, I am gonna double dip. I watch Battle I mean, Mode I'm in saying, Treehouse, and I'm gonna double dip. It's yeah, happening. Like, I, I'm saying, like I'm saying it? no, but I'm still buying it anyway. Your mind's saying no, but your heart's saying yes. My mind, yeah, yeah. Wait, no. yeah, because your mind knows this is a dumb idea, but oh, no, you're no, no, just no. drawn to it anyway. No, my heart is saying no because I'm not in love with this idea. Uh, but my mind is saying yes because, like, oh, I still because I still want to play Mario Kart Eight. But I don't want to have to like switch to the Wii U whenever I want to do so. I want everything to just be on this new console, and Which because it has that extra bit of context, that fact that I'm missing, I don't want to have to feel like I'm yeah. not playing the, no, the no. full experience. Yeah. So it's more like screw you, brain. I mean, no, screw you, heart, for making me feel this way. But it's the logical thing to do. I have to buy it. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm double dipping. I already know. I wish they did some sort of discount for returning players. I don't know how they would track that, but that would be like I mean, you, at least if you digitally download it, give a discount. They haven't said they aren't, but they haven't said they are. So yeah, I mean, at least Best Buy gives you twenty percent discount. Yeah, but... so it'll be fifty for us. I don't quite fully understand. But that's why the game we're getting digital because oh right, right. I don't fully quite understand why there's no tracks. At least add a single cup. Like yeah, I mean, maybe I, it's gonna be I, DLC I, down the I, road. I maybe they're hoping they're... like oh no one, not many people. Well, I guess a lot of people downloaded the DLC, but. If someone didn't, it's almost like they're getting a ton of new tracks. Or, quite frankly, to anything, any person who didn't buy Wii U, which is a lot, which is why they're making this port in the first place. Yeah. Can you imagine getting all this you know, I mean, for sixty dollars <laughs> with no past experience with Mario Kart Eight? This is a this is a quadruple the track count. There's forty eight tracks with the DLC. That's I think quad. That's like two or three times, maybe four times bigger than what you get in a normal Mario Kart. Well, you if get you the come 32. in. Oh, okay. So a little bigger. So yeah, yeah. There were sixteen for a while, then they doubled it yeah. with all these tracks. So if you take that, if you take Balmo, if you take the new characters, if you take all that and you pile it all in, and you never touch Mario Kart Eight before, this is like the best deal you could possibly imagine for Mario yeah. Kart. Yeah, and I mean, it rivals Smash Bros. in content. I guess I can't. If, if they added a bunch of more new tracks, a bunch of tracks. Okay. Yeah. If they added many more new tracks at that point, they probably would have just waited and made it Mario Kart Nine. Because I mean, we're probably are gonna get a Mario Kart. Yeah. Maybe they'll do DLC for week. this one. Yeah, but I mean, if they get DLC, then I feel like they don't really have a reason to make a Mario Kart, and they could just keep perpetually adding content to this. Well, one. why not? That's what a lot of games do now. I know. That's exactly, what Splatoon exactly, does. Yeah. Sort of. yeah, it's it's a way to go. I, I do mean, honestly wouldn't mind if Smash Bros. did that. I love the way this one plays. Just keep 
advancing it. Yeah. Keep adding more. I, I do wonder if part of the reason we don't have more tracks is uh, because of ARMS. Because of a lack of ideas? No, because of ARMS specifically. So apparently, from, from what I've read, the majority of the Mario Kart 8 team went to go work on ARMS. So I wonder if there's like a weird, like a skeleton crew almost that's in charge of this port. And they're like, I... Uh, <laughs> Our track design guy's over there. Oh, well. I guess I'll just make a battle arena. I can do that. Like, I think that's probably... <laughs> that's If you don't know, that's how Nintendo designs games. You go, da, 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 and then the game appears. But, uh, yeah, so I wonder how much factors into that. Also something to take into consideration. That's kind of a weird oddity. Mario Kart 8, we paid $60 for. We paid for DLC. We got all of it when we did. Now we're double dipping for another $60, getting a little more content, and having the privilege of online becoming paid in the fall. So not only are we paying full price a second time, but we'd have to pay monthly just to be able to keep playing it online. There's less ex- content to access on this than there is on the one we already own, yet we're still double dipping. We are uh, such suckers for Nintendo. That's why it's yeah. Yeah. the hard system. You know, to be honest, in a way, what Splatoon 2 ended up being is what I thought Mario Kart 8 Deluxe would be. Like, Splatoon 2 seems like it's built on Splatoon in noticeable ways. Like, Builds on top of Splatoon, those boys, I should say. Like, there's new weapons. The dual shooties look kind of fun. There's that jetpack. Well, yeah, but then, special moves. But that feels like stuff they could have just done with the regular updates because they kept introducing. That's, brand what, I'm new yeah. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Splatoon yeah, yeah. Two feels like it. It does build on Splatoon, those boys, but it's still the same core game because you know if you count the rolls, oh, no, the yeah, dodge yeah, rolls, no, yeah, you, you count, yeah, yeah. yeah, or even like new arenas, new stylings yeah. for the no, inklings, yeah. all those are on top of a core that, as of now, as of what we've seen of Splatoon Two, is it basically the same with slightly better graphics yeah which is why i was saying really that i got confused uh, yeah, I, yeah i honestly forgot that it was a sequel like i thought it was like splatoon 2 and what's even splatoon crazier Deluxe and what's even crazier about splatoon they 2 they do tease that a different story like yes. very slightly but yeah like well it, with better sam max too that scene of Callie or marie without the other that was like a pretty artsy looking yeah but i mean cg scene i don't remember there being very many cg cutscenes in yeah. splatoon i could be wrong but um and i'm sure there's gonna be a bigger single player mode in there but what we've seen currently really feels like what Mario Kart 8 Deluxe in terms of content upgrades. Like, even the fact that Splatoon came out a year after Mario Kart 8 and now has its sequel the same year as Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, yet has more content than Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, but isn't quite enough to be a even... I don't know. It's weird, right? Like, it seems... I honestly couldn't even tell if it had new stages. Some of them just looked... So, apparently, the stages... Similar? Are... So, the stages are all new, or at least a lot are new. Well, what I, they show... I showed... would imagine a lot are new because yeah. it's a sequel. Yeah. Well, they... I mean, I wouldn't... What they, what I'd, they be, showed... I'd be really annoyed if it's literally, like... This... It, well, no, they already announced it's a different hub also. It's not... Yes, yes. And what they and it takes place two years after the first game, so things are going to evolve in the Yeah, because apparently that world needed... World building. Yeah, it, because apparently it needed world building. Apparently it did. I mean, it, I mean, the first one did have a significant amount of um, backstory building. Yeah, but world building. <laughs> yeah, but it didn't really need it. I mean, at the end of the day, you're just... I guess it's like any other multiplayer game. Multiplayer-focused game. Yeah. So I think there might be a better single-player story this time. That's just my gut feeling more doing single player you mean just and, longer i mean the first i enjoyed the first yeah me too player, but, but... I, they could flesh it out a bit and do a bit more i guess i mean it's cool how it's like basically mario galaxy but not on planets but um what, what was i gonna say oh yeah it 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 does first of all okay first of all they messed up the name kevin who's been on this podcast a couple times for long time listeners a friend of ours tweeted that it really should be called splatoon s-p-l-a the number two n and that fits the 90s vibe of this game so well that I can't believe they overlooked that. But not only that, but more to the point, um, there are a couple improve there are a couple noticeable changes. It does support voice app, uh, voice chat through the Nintendo online app when it comes out. So there's that. 
and we they figured out the map thing basically if you press x the map overlays on your screen you pick where you want to go by pre-selecting on the d-pad yes and then it drops back down so that that's kind of resolved and to be honest we're kind of like oh splatoon 2 doesn't feel like enough of an upgrade no, for it, being a full sequel, and Mark Create doesn't feel like enough of an upgrade for being what Splatoon 2 actually is. Nothing's enough of an upgrade, but you know let's what? be honest, I'm excited for Splatoon 2 still. You know what it is? Um, I sound, like, everything you just described pretty much what we were just saying. Yeah. To me, that sounds like what someone says, that I sound like those people that aren't in, that aren't into that original game, so they just see all the superficial stuff. So, like, when Smash Brothers went from Bra to this one, or even yeah. from Melee to this one, like one of my sister's friends like honestly like saw the game and they're like what's different it looks exactly the same but I'm like oh no well this one has like different like it has like <laughs> yeah. blah, blah 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 like different special moves like more characters but so nothing looks the same and I'm like wow I guess I was just so out of the Splatoon bubble and the Splatoon world. bubble because I mean I played it like for a few months when it first came out but then it just stopped yeah completely so yeah yeah I, I mean honestly like when I was rattling off, oh, there's new it, weapons, yeah. there's new specials, there's new a uh, roll dodge ability to dodge and roll, roll and dodge. What have you all word that? Attached to a weapon though. The, no, you can't. Yeah, it it's attached to the dual leaf. Oh, you're right. Yeah, but the fact that all that is added in, like I was just kind of listening off as things that are there, but those are game changers. That jetpack special move, that like uh, bomb drop special move where you drop with the pink bomb where it like falls down with you and you kind of a dramatic pose. All that is pretty significant to the whole like how Splatoon works. So we're saying, like, it kind of seems the same. It seems like it's just an upgrade. You're right. It's more than that. And we probably, hardcore Splatoon players are probably, like, scoffing at us. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. No, that's right. It's the same same mentality that I I definitely should have taken a step back. It's, like, no different than, yeah, Yeah. like, in Smash Bros. changing the dodging mechanics from you can dodge as many times as you want in the air versus in melee where you can only dodge once in the air. I suspect. Like, that sounds like. So minute, but it's a game I suspect part of the reason we're feeling this way about Splatoon to a lesser extent because we didn't play it as much. Is, well, not just that, but when Nintendo does a sequel, it's usually like a complete overhaul in notable ways. Even Luigi's Mansion 2 looks kind of at the surface like, oh, you're just in a mansion again. Nope, you're in multiple mansions, they're bite sized levels. Yeah, the game was completely all these different. Si- yeah, I did not like enjoy it usually as much. when they do a sequel or Mario or even Mario Kart, it changes with every Mario Kart. Yeah. Like the gliders are there one time, and then the next time it's like, oh, now there's anti grav, like <laughs> which is just um, disguised different camera angles but it doesn't really change anything well yeah true true but uh it makes it into bumper cars at some yeah point. yeah and it has the spin move and stuff but yeah. either way there's things that anyone who sees the game is like oh that's kind of different but with splatoon and with mario kart 8 deluxe we're kind of like well it looks the same but i guess they piled new things on it but so you're right it comes down to how hardcore you are in it and i like i said i am still excited for mario kart 8 deluxe i am still excited for splatoon 2 i know i'm gonna get both it's just as of right now we're judging a little prematurely based on what we're seeing which is not a ton at least in splatoon's 2k splatoon 2's case because we've only seen the battle mode, so I'm gonna I'm gonna keep a close eye on it. I'm, I know I'm gonna get both, so it's yeah, definitely. Silly, but uh, and the funny thing is, there are other Nintendo games coming to Switch that we've seen even less of, but are still kind of like on the radar. And these, I think, like we're being better about. Well, we'll wait and see. Like Xenoblade, Xenoblade Chronicles Two, they put like a three minute trailer in the middle of the presentation. It looks gorgeous. The character models look much improved. I never really thought they looked bad to begin with, but they look really good now. They have kind of a chibi thing going on now, a bit more of an anime look. And I always am like, I'm going to get into Xenoblade one day, and I never do. So when this Xenoblade rolled around with the trailer, I'm like, oh, maybe this is the one. But I'm not seeing here going, gee, his sword looks different, but the battles look the same. I'm like, I'll wait and see. So I don't know why, in Xenoblade's case, I was being more open. But in Splatoon's case, I'm like, it looks too much the same. But whatever, that's my weird thing. And then we also know that like Fire Emblem's coming in multiple forms. Uh, Tecmo Koei's doing Fire Emblem Warriors, which is basically Hyrule Warriors, but 
Fire Emblem. Yeah. So that's kind of this fall, um, or that's kind of this year as a Xenoblade. And really, that's what we just talked through. Those individual games are all just first party stuff. Um, Nintendo's indie ambassador over at NOA, Damon Baker, has tweeted that in addition to all those first party things, there are more announcements coming from third parties in the coming weeks and days. He tweeted this shortly after the presentation, and sure enough, in the days since we saw all these first party games, we have seen a lot of indies get announced. Yacht Club Games confirmed that Shovel Knight's coming to Switch in probably March. They didn't give a specific day, but they say it'll be exclusive to Switch before it comes to other systems a month later in April, which means it must be in March. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's really cool. Uh, Team 17 gave a formal confirmation, or said that there's going to be formal confirmation of Ukulele coming to Switch soon. Basically, it's up to Playtonic to officially announce it, but Team 17, who's working out with them, confirmed it is coming to Switch. Think it'll come day and date with the others? Maybe. Hopefully. That gives us something to do in April while we wait for Mario Kart. As if we don't have Zelda and snipper clips and one two switch and well we're not getting one two switch if we don't have those other combining the life and bomberman which does have a which does have a campaign bomberman is a 50 level story yep yep yeah so then so bomberman's another one uh zoink games revealed these are guys behind stick it to the man which we liked a few years ago on wii u they revealed that they may be bringing zombie vikings which is their other game to the system they have it's it funny. Up and they tweeted like a gif of them playing it out like do you guys yeah. want this let us know yeah it's like clearly it's happening they took the, the nicholas or nicholas route which is mm. they just tweet hey look at this game but they're actually confirmed and then they did the same thing and we are getting binding of isaac afterbirth plus red out cave story one thousand one spikes and something else that i didn't recognize we're getting all those coming to switch it sounds funny. like they haven't confirmed all five yeah. they've hinted at all five i find it very interesting that I guess, like, Nicalis just has, um... Or whatever they do, I mean, they obviously did something right, because the creator of Binding of Isaac, Edmund McMillan, yeah. he was saying how he's... For many years, he tried getting Isaac on the 3DS, on the Wii U, and a bunch of other things. You know, it was Nintendo. Just, it was Nintendo, it wasn't... Oh, no, yeah, yeah, that, like, it just never worked. And same thing with Meat Boy, and then, like, oh, here comes Nicalis, and suddenly it's on every platform ever. Nintendo <laughs> backed off And the launch game, though, that's, like, he was, like, all excited, yeah. like, like, oh, they found Nintendo, and to get one of his games on launch yeah. day... Like, that's a super big deal, yeah. It's, um... I think it was Nintendo had a change in the guard in terms of how they view the eShop. Because Binding of Isaac, they were heading because of the religious themes and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's definitely a, a rated, M game, rated M game to the For sure. They're playing and as a nude little boy. That is true. And, <laughs> um, and I think, because even the old Nintendo, like, uh, indie shepherd, so to speak, uh, Dan Adelman, I think was his name, who no longer works at Nintendo. Adelman? I think that's what it was. I thought it was Adelman. Adelman. It might be Adelman. I don't remember. Um, either way, he, when Binding of Isaac was announced for switch tweet something like wow the time share of change it finally happened or something like that so like it was it was japan that was pushing back and they gave up mm. and that's how that happened but yeah so that's now all coming and on top of that other third party stuff that's only been revealed in japan so far there's gonna be a tales game coming to switch there's gonna be a story of seasons game awesome. coming to switch there's gonna be story of seasons by the way is harvest moon under a new name there's gonna be a blaze blue from axis there's gonna be shimagami tensei from atlas there's going to be a lot of stuff there's gonna be a whole neo geo library of games coming to switch there's a lot of stuff coming the list actually goes on and on it's all lower tier in terms of like not triple a like i don't know battle we got a battlefield fighter. or something but yeah we got a street fire we got a sonic there's a lot so we just went to first sonic. party the, yeah two sonics Pro- project 2017 and mania and there's a lot we only went to first parties the list honestly goes on and on but our episode unfortunately cannot go on and on yeah, we're already at two and a half hours so what we're going to do is we're going to come back to you next time in two weeks with our picks for which third-party games we think are worth keeping an eye on for Switch and why. 
So we're gonna have that. We're also gonna have a pretty big Fire Emblem blowout because we couldn't even, we didn't even have time to talk about the Fire Emblem Direct. And that was the thing that happened. They announced four Fire Emblem games in the span of 20 minutes. This is a franchise that a decade ago was on the verge of completely ending forever. And now there's four in a day. That's, it's amazing how fast they turned that, or how they turned that around. Not really fast, it took a decade. But anyway, so next episode we're also gonna have a Fire Emblem blowout. And um, we actually will have impressions of Fire Emblem Heroes for iPhone and Android because Coincidentally, it will come out between this episode and then. So instead of just telling you about it, we'll tell you what it's like and give our impressions and, of course, talk about Fire Emblem Echoes and Warriors and the, the core one that's coming to Switch next year. So we're going to have all of that. And on top of that, I don't usually do teases like this for future episodes, but there's so much I can already tell you we're going to talk about. We're also going to have Nintendo's holiday quarter financial report and the investor meeting that goes with it, which means, in theory, potential Switch news. They sometimes spill the beans about stuff at those investor meetings, so there's also that. And if not Switch news, certainly some interesting stuff about how the NES Classic did, how Pokemon did, that sort of thing. So, to make sure you don't miss this next episode, which again is piled with all our third-party Switch stuff, Fire Emblem stuff, and financial stuff, subscribe to us on Twitter, or sorry, subscribe to us on iTunes, subscribe to us on whatever podcast app you use, like Google Play Music, follow us on Twitter at Ram Nintendo. It's like the second part of this epic journey that is the switch and um you can also in the meantime follow us individually if you want to hear what we think about more actual breaking news as it breaks i am jsr7 wero is nope ajo is wero wero is angel uh angel is wero w-e-i-r-o underscore o and yeah like i said we'll be back in two weeks with another pretty big episode that you won't want to miss see you then